Okay, now that that tomfoolery is out of the way, time to talk about our real multiverse. With himbo robots. So do you mean the tomfoolery of our April Fool's episode or the tomfoolery of Ninja Steel? Yes. old woman named stacy ashley and i'm steel's concept of gender sid and this is ranger slaying where sid enthusiastic lifelong power rangers fan takes ashley me reluctant new fan through the world of power rangers and power rangers accessories and after several months of not doing anything in the mainline power rangers series comics not included in this case we are back with the first official series of the hasbro era beast morphers so what is Beast Morphers about? Yeah, what is it about, Ashley? I'll tell you. So in the city of Coral Harbor, Grid Battle Force is using Morphex and its connections to the Morphin Grid to create a more sustainable future. However, when Evox attacks Grid Battle Force and creates evil avatars of two of the new Power Rangers, new Rangers step up to protect the city. This includes Gamer Devin, Laundry Girl Zoe, and Hidden Artist Robbie. With allies from across the multiverse, the Beast Morphers are here to protect the Grid and the world. Our first note, by the way, is finally some real fucking food. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, after fucking Ninja Steel, like, it was looking real grim there, honestly. Yeah, it's, it was one of those things, it's like, you feel like you could only go up, but also, like, the Neo Saban era proved that, oh, we can only go up from here and then the next season would be worse. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, and it was just like, and it's such a weird pattern, too, because you had- Samurai, which was okay. And then you got Megaforce, which is bad. Then you go up and you get Dino Charge, which is real good. And then you just went right down to the bottom with Ninja Steel. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, so I definitely, I also, like, I understand why people were hesitant to get into this uh, fandom-wise. I just, I understand all the hesitations going into this, as well as the hesitations going into Dino Fury. So I was I was just mostly like pleasantly surprised about how like solid everything was. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't the best season, mind you. Um but it's like, oh finally, like we're back. We're back to quality and having quality show instead of like kids just like flashy things, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Like there was actually a story involved. Yeah, and it's You know, it's like, yeah, this is for kids and all that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, it's it's actually like a story kids can engage in. And uh, it's actually funny because like the first half, Saban was still a consultant and it was still called like Saban's Beast Morphers, Power Rangers Beast Morphers. But then and, and even then, like you could tell his he was still there kind of pressuring things, but it wasn't like it was prior and then he left up the second season, and all of a sudden it just skyrocketed in quality. Oh, yeah. Like, it was already pretty good in the first season, but, like, yeah, after Saban left and was, like, officially off the board, like, it kind of, I, it definitely, like, 
I feel like it was more, they were more willing to go in interesting places without having to, like, accidentally piss him off or whatever. Yeah, or just, like, oh, we have to, like, placate to a bunch of people whose ideas of children's television shows are stuck in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Which I think, like, it definitely shows, at least in the first half of the season, that he was more, had more of a step back role. (laughs) Yeah. Which is good. And then, like, okay, I made a joke about this on Twitter, and, like, still people ended up explaining it to me. Um, Do you listen to our podcast? We did cover this stuff. Yeah, and then, okay, so, like, one person, like, tried to bring up, like, RPM has been mentioned before, like, in the Neo-Saban era, but it's like, did did it does feel like anything besides just a court mandate, (laughs) like, honestly... It feels like they were just court mandated to like look to to acknowledge it, just because like one fans liked it, but two it was like there was some stuff going on that connected other things. Yeah, and then another person pointed out like because basically the joke was is that as soon as Saban left production, Hasbro just slammed the RPM button and was like didn't look back on it. And then one person pointed out was like, well, they had this planned before Saban left production. It's like that. It's just a fucking joke on Twitter. Like, I- Guys, I'm going to say this. Uh, if you are listening and following us on Twitter, I... Okay, I'm going to be quite blunt. I sometimes hate the fandom, but the thing I hate the most about fandom is your pedanticness around, like, people who are obviously joking. So... Yeah. It gets... A side yeah. rant here. If you see a dumb meme, like, attached to something... It's a joke, and you don't need to take it too seriously. Yeah, it's it is kind of the frustrating part about. I love doing this podcast, and like the people who listen to our podcast and like interact with us, I love you guys. You have been super supportive of us this entire time. But like, there's definitely has a tendency of people on Twitter to explain jokes I make on Twitter back to us, and it's like it's one of those things that like we can't really tell if it's just because the fandom is really pedantic. Or am I getting talked down to because I'm a woman? Yeah, that that is weird aside, yeah. I guess. But yeah, that's something I think that needs to be kind of discussed with you guys is you need to know when a joke is being made and also not to talk down to people, you know, if they don't know something. It's, it's a lot because you want to share something mm-hmm. and knowledge. At the same time, it's like this stuff isn't, one, if it's a joke, it's not that serious. Mm-hmm. But two, it's like you don't want to put someone off by either purposely or accidentally gatekeeping shit. Yeah. I was saying, I cannot wait till everyone fusses at us for being like how Linkara is at the beginning of History of Power Rangers. And it's just like, leave me alone before, like, because this is like a thing I just do on the side. This is not my main show. Yeah, exactly. I will get to a season, I will get to a season. And everyone's like, God, Linkara complains a lot about the fandom. I'm like, bitch, he has a reason. <laughs> But we're not even Linkara sized in our audience. And it's like bitch has a reason, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um so anyway, but I again, I don't know the whole process there of when they decided during pre-production, because we do know that Saban that the series was bought out during pre-production. Like, yeah, it's it was kind of this very weird announcement. It just happened out of nowhere, like Saban's, you know, Saban sold the show to Hasbro. Yeah, so I don't know where in pre-production was it decided that 
they were going to use RPM and that was going to be the big twist at the end of the series. So I don't know if that was pre-Saban selling the series or post-Saban selling the series, but it does definitely feel like some decision was made that they were going to lean really hard into it, especially when Saban himself barely ever wanted to acknowledge the Disney seasons. Yeah, it it feels like once he was out of the picture, they're like, okay, we can go full hog on this now. We don't have to tiptoe around it. Yeah, like, it, it definitely feels like it was a deliberate choice. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that's like, yeah, I'm very glad that they did. Um, I'm glad that they finally settled on the multiverse. Like, this was a thing I always felt like needed to be canon. Like, when I went and rewatched Power Rangers, uh, right before Samurai came out, I watched all the seasons. Mm-hmm. and uh i just remember like thinking in the back of my head it's like why isn't this a multiverse yeah why do they ca- keep on trying to do these soft relaunches or even hard relaunches like with uh lightspeed rescue mm-hmm. or ninja storm where they're obviously trying to make a newer type of power rangers separate and then they just go back to no it's all one timeline or something yeah like especially with like Lightspeed Rescue and Time Force, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because, like... like, especially in Lightspeed Rescue, where, like, the Power Ranger, like, the secret identity of the Power Rangers are known by the public. And so it's like, yeah. okay, so why is this in the same universe as, like, Lost Galaxy? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, why isn't the Morphing Grid mad? Then we're like, why, you know, I know people kind of will forget major events. Like, we've lived through enough major events to know people will forget about them in a few years. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, the events of Countdown to Destruction would have been very enough recent that, okay, why isn't this referenced, like, at all as to why Lightspeed Rescue is a thing? Right, exactly. So, like, yeah, it's a, like, that's definitely be a frustrating thing, but yeah, and. This is something that's been hinted at a little, was hinted at a little bit in the Neo Saban era. Um, like, they did establish that at least RPM was its own universe in um, in Samurai when they did yeah. that really weird crossover episode, which um, I think it was pointed out is that since it, is, it was kind of a consequence of Samurai just kind of being a direct kind of adaptation of, um, was it Shinkanger? Yes. Yeah. So just being kind of a, a direct, like, adaptation of that, it, they sort of had to do the direct adaptation of the crossover episode with Gohanger. And so that's why Scott is totally out of character. And they didn't even try to match shit up with that. Oh, I'm sorry, no, I didn't mean not... to be mean about that. Yeah, no, I'm not sorry. Yeah. And that's another thing that kind of just crossed my mind is the fact that, um, another thing that, that, Crossed my mind about the switch over here was the fact that okay, Saban's involved with pre-production and all that, but like he skipped over GoBusters. Yeah, like that purposely. That was yeah, that was a deliberate choice on his part. And it sounded like GoBusters was a Hasbro decision. Like we want to adapt this series because we could do like cool animal toys with it. Yeah, and that worked out pretty well, I think. And like. But yeah, on top of that, with the canonizing the multiverse, like, we mentioned this previously and lamenting in the Ninja Steel episodes that we had to, like, regard it with, like, the first time that they truly, truly established a multiverse in Power Rangers was in that series. Yeah, and, and like, that TV timeline, because they know, like, Hyperforce, uh, you know, 
kind of did it a little bit at the same time. Right. But yeah, it's just kind of one of those like, uh, but now now they've really acknowledged it. And you're like, you're seeing it as like this one universe taps into the morphing grid, not only taps into the morphing grid, but like uses stuff from previous rangers to try to figure out their own shit. Yeah, and they can communicate through the multiverse as well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, hence our, our group chat jokes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then something else that you kind of noted here is that, like, this is the first season we've really had in a while that feels like an actual ensemble in the field of the characters instead of, like, one or two rangers really driving the plot. Yeah, um, I feel, I don't mean to bring up Lightspeed again, but it does, it's like, that was kind of like a thing Lightspeed was, was it was very ensemble. I felt like nobody outweighed the plot more Mm -hmm. than anything or was the driving character. It felt like, no, here are these characters, they are an ensemble, they all very equally drive what's going on, their problems equally drive what's going on. I would, like, at the end, you kind of have that thing with Nate, but even then, that's like the very last episode arc. Yeah, and like... I don't feel bad, like, comparing this to Lightspeed Rescue, because, like, it is structurally, in terms of, like, how Grid Battle Force is set up, and, like, how the Rangers are introduced, it is the most similar, in terms of, like, previous seasons, to Lightspeed Rescue. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to compare it to Lightspeed Rescue. I like Lightspeed Rescue, so... Yeah, like, no, I, I'm, I'm also a fan of Lightspeed Rescue. It's probably, like, my one of my favorite like post like mmpr mm-hmm. or like in that first Saban era it's one of my favorite post mmpr like series so yeah it, it's just one of those it's like I, yeah i really much enjoyed kind of that going especially like you're filling out a new writer team and stuff mm-hmm. for the most part so i very much kind of enjoyed having a more like not really flattened but like more of like not one person is kind of the main plot driver for one yeah like obviously there's some episodes that focused on especially in the early um first season there were some episodes that focused on devon yeah but like it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that devon was like the main plot driver the way that like casey was in jungle fury or cole in uh wild force or anything like that yeah or dylan and rpm uh, or dylan and rpm yeah <laughs> speaking of rpm yeah, um and yeah especially compared to last season you noted this and i definitely noticed it as well is that there's actually seems to be some actual good morals this season instead of some weird like we're kind of yeah. pulling this out of our ass with a misunderstanding of what we're actually talking about <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, I definitely think it's, like, an updated version of a lot of these lessons, too, mm-hmm. because, like, that was another thing. Ninja Steel kind of had these very old-type lessons, like, stay in school so you can learn more, and I'm like, but Calvin's going off to an apprenticeship. Yeah, it's like, technical, like, technical school exists, like, I don't get this whole plot line. Yeah, it's like, it'd be one thing if he ditched his his schooling to, like sell lemonade at a stand Mm -hmm. but it's like no he's he has a job yeah he's starting a career school public schools actual utility versus the egalitarian utility of public school public school is supposed to turn you into a part of the workforce Mm -hmm. as the purpose of why public school at least in its current iteration 
had existed. Mm-hmm. So it's like he doesn't need to go to high school if he has the apprenticeship. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but that is said, yeah, there was uh the one of the really good ones is uh that's a little bit fresher on mine was kind of like to trust people, and it was with Roxy and Ravi in like this the second season mm-hmm. where like she she does betray his trust. You know, she does the kind of jealous girlfriend thing of looking at her at his phone. Yeah. Because he comes to their anniversary meetup and he forgets this painting he did of them. Yeah. Like he accidentally left it behind on a bench. Yeah. And he's trying to cover his tracks of, oh, you know, he could have probably been better. It's like, I did get you something, but I I need to go find it. You know, he probably could have trusted her Mm -hmm. a little bit better there. But that doesn't excuse when he went to do something. She went and looked at his phone. Yeah, and, like, immediately stop started jumping to conclusions instead of just, like, hey, what's going on? Like, basically, her immediate conclusion is, like, are you cheating on me? Like, who's this Stacy? Yeah. And so it's one of those, it's like, yeah, that's that's not good behavior. And they actually called it out for what it was, including when... Eventually, you know, they're having this fight and everything, and this is causing Ravi to not being able to cool down mm-hmm. from his, like, power. Because they all have, like, a power, but then it all comes with, like, a foil. It's very similar to uh, Go Busters in that way. So he can't calm down from this rage. And so they're like, hey, what happened? And she talks about it, and then it's like, yeah, that wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I do like the fact that even, like... Even when she brings it up to the team, like, Devin is immediately, like, that doesn't sound like Ravi. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's like, that doesn't sound like Ravi. Why didn't you trust him? And especially when, like, Stacy does show up and she's an old woman, woman he was talking on a park bench. And he, she was like, oh, he must have left this. This was probably a gift for, like, the girl he liked. Yeah, like, she was trying to do a good thing and she was texting him through, like, the number that he left on his portfolio. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, you know, you had Roxy, you know, not only portray that sort of boundary and trust by looking at something that was not hers, mm-hmm. but also, like, you know, you jumped to conclusions and you didn't t- trust Ravi, and now the situation spiraled. Yeah. So, you know, of course, like, Power Rangers, they don't break up or anything, they learn a lesson. Right. But that was, I, like, you were very shocked by that one. Yeah, honestly, because I was like, I thought they were going to make it that, like, that uh, Ravi was in the fault. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, he could have been a little bit more upfront with what was going on, but I guess he wanted to try to keep the surprise for Roxy. Yeah, he did kind of that young adult thing of, like, I'm trying to keep a surprise for Roxy and just stumbles. Yeah. But again, it's like, that wasn't, that's not why Roxy should have looked at his phone. Yeah. I will say that I did appreciate that there were times that, like, the Rangers actually kind of felt like young adults or teenagers in this series. Oh, yeah. Like, they actually did. You even had, you know, a whole thing with Devin having to try to hold down a job. Yeah. Um, And kind of just speaking of Devin in that regard, like, I also love the episode that involved, like, kind of the mutual apology from, like, uh, Devin and Zoe. Yeah, that was like, uh, I was trying to, like, that was, that's definitely, like, kind of in another way of just, like, Zoe, uh, basically, Ben and Betty broke a device that 
Devin got. It was an art, like a VR device. And, you know, Devin is like, hey, can you watch this for me? And they, they used it and broke it. And they're freaking out about it. Like, oh, my God, what would we tell Devin and everything? And instead of, like, the truth or something, like, Zoe covers for them. Yeah. You know, she's she's being a good friend. And what she views as being a good friend to them. And then when, you know, Devin ends up finding out his, he just blows up at Zoe about it. Like, how can I trust you if you can't, you couldn't even tell me the truth, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we're used to Power Rangers, like, Zoe is entirely in the wrong and everything. And it gets to that point where Zoe doesn't, it's like, yeah, you know, I should be more truthful. And I should, you know, trust that you're not going to, like, blow up at Ben and Betty or anything. You know, just because, you know, I, you know, that was wrong of me. I should be more honest. And then Devin's like, I shouldn't have blown up at you like that. You were trying to be a good friend and, you know, you just slipped up. Yeah, because Devin really kind of, like... He spends a lot of that episode kind of just like not grousing because that, but like he just can't not stop fixating on it. Yeah, and like he does kind of get called to the, you know, kind of gets called to the carpet on it. It's just like you are, you're being really unfair to Zoe and Ben and Betty. Yeah, like yeah, they did something wrong, but you are you are getting stuck on this and being way too harsh on them. Yeah, for something that was essentially like an accident. Yeah, it's like, you know, we can, you know, it's like, hey, you can all work this out. But yeah, you're being way too harsh. And we were both just very floored by that. Because again, normally that type of episode would have been the entire blames on Zoe. But also kind of treat it's like, it's also how you handle a situation that's that's bad. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, can be equally upsetting to another person. Yeah, and then um, they did have a kind of a stand up for yourself episode in this series as well. Um, which was, I think this one kind of came across, like, a little bit better than some of the stand-up-for-yourself episodes have in the past. Yeah. Which involved Ravi, uh, helping out this one kid. I cannot remember his name, but, like, he was a tuba player. And, like, there were some guy, there were some kids in the neighborhood that were making fun of him. And, like, Ravi teaches him that, like, hey, you know, you don't need to inflict violence on a bully, but it is okay to stand up for yourself and, like... Um, and stand up against them. Yeah, and goes through martial arts lessons, and they kind of learn from each other, too, because, like, the kid finds out Ravi is an artist, ends up, like, getting one of his pictures framed for him. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, when, when you're ready to show everyone how cool of an artist you is, I got this framed as a thank you. But, uh, yeah, it, like, culminates, because it's like, hey, I'm teaching, you know, teach you self-defense just in case you need it, but also stand up for yourself. To where, you know, the bullies go and they start, you know, picking up Ben and Betty. And the kid goes and can leave him alone. It's like, well, what are you going to do about it, Spill Fry? You know, that shit. And he just, you know, uses the martial arts that he learned to precisely kick the hat off the one guy's head. Yeah. Didn't inflict harm or anything, but did it with such precision that, hey, you don't want to fuck with me. Yeah, like, what is it I put in my notebook when we were watching that episode? It's like, sometimes you got to put the fear of God in a bully. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sometimes you it is okay to push back. Yeah. You know, you can't just be like, oh, you know, you can't be understanding. What was it? Somebody talked about the paradox of tolerance mm-hmm. and how it's like it's actually a social contract. Right. So there is like once you are no longer within the bounds of that contract, it is null, so you can push back. Oh yeah. So it it's basically like, yeah. 
you know, and I'm like, that's actually, you know, a way better lesson to learn is like, sometimes you, you know, you don't, you know, not always the situation calls for that type of violence. Obviously, you can't just have, you know, the kid beating the snot out of the other kid because it's Power Rangers and their standards and practices, but it is okay to stand up yourself even physically. Oh, yeah. And I think that was a good uh, way of showing it off. And then this last one you noted here, I'm just going to let you take this. I just found it very funny that they went with a very adult and like just a fear everyone has. Nobody likes going to the fucking dentist. This reminded me to call the dentist, and now I'm I'm waiting. I'm on a wait list to uh, get my teeth cleaned and also have an emergency and also have a root canal redone. Yeah. So fun time. Thanks, thanks, Beast Morphers. <laughs> but I found that like Ravi having this very like they did they did Ravi with the dentist, and then they did uh, Nate with spiders to have them have these like very specific fears that almost everyone can relate to, but particularly the dentist yeah which everyone you know the the uh howard ashman wrote a song about how awful dentists are so <laughs> you'll be you a know. dentist, dentist. <laughs> inflicting pain you know exactly so. i i very much enjoyed that yeah you need sometimes you do have to get over your fear to take care of yourself pretty much Though I did love the little detail that George helped point out to us that, like, the dentist in Ravi's flashback is the dentist from Mystic Force. Yeah, because Ravi and his mom used to live in Briarwood, and they went to that dentist, and that dentist is fucking blind as shit. Uh, yeah, like, no, I don't blame Ravi for having a childhood fear of dentists based on that guy. <laughs> yeah, the dentist he seemed to, to go to was much nicer, so... Yeah, though it does lead to a very hilarious, like, little shadow, like, play bit involving, like, some guy putting together, like, a, like, desk or something very badly. Yeah. It's like, nobody assembles a desk like that. What are you doing, man? <laughs> he's just, he's just creating shadow. I think, I, you know, we could, I know it's, like, there for humor, but we could just say in universe he knows he's in a dentist office and wants to scare kids because he's that asshole. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, we've kind of covered our um our plot points. So, let's talk about our our characters. So, we'll start with our rangers, and that includes our uh de facto leader of the team, which is Devin Daniels, who is Grid Battle Force Red. And I'll let you do this one. <laughs> he is a gamer boy. She said see you later, boy. Yeah, so Devin when we first kind of in are introduced to him, it seems like he's kind of like he's kind of presented as like a slacker gamer type. Yeah. He's slacker gamer type. He's definitely a young adult. Uh definitely when from what we get from his dad, like because we do see the interactions with dad is beginning. He just kind of is floating through life. He doesn't know what he wants. Which, you know, is, I think is fairly typical behavior when you probably are, like, fresh out of high school. Yeah. You know, fresh out of high school, maybe you haven't applied to a college, and you're, you're just trying, you're fumbling around, mm -hmm. so. And his dad is, like, mayor of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds like his dad was always, like, a powerful, like, just a powerful type of person. Like, he, you often see his dad in, like, a limo or something. Oh, yeah. So it's like, there's definitely this whole thing of like his dad, and also that implication. I think his dad worked hard to get where he is, and all that. You know, he's not he's not old money like the Collinses. Yeah, like, 
Yeah, the Collinses with their old as balls money. Um, <laughs> yeah, old as balls. Every time, every time somebody mentions the phrase old money or the great Gatsby, I just think of that Kate Beaton strip. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so because he even mentions the fact that like he like that Mayor Daniels mentions the fact that he worked at a car wash when he was younger, because how else did he pay for all of his dates with Devin's mom? It's like, this car wash son is why you're here. <laughs> this is how I was able to fuck your mom and produce you. This is how I scored. <laughs> um, also, the weird implication that his mom might not be around anymore. Yeah, they never really say, because you never see his mom around. And then, like, that, I think that's the only time they really mention his mother, honestly. Yeah, it just kind of sounds like uh, she's she's almost mentioned, like, the past and in, like, this very wistful way. Yeah, so the the only assumption we can really make is that she's dead. She's, she's yeah, dead. Yeah, it's like, oof. Um, and uh, this is something I did, since, since we talked about the Collinses and, uh, you know, dead mom and all that, uh, we kind of noticed, like, his, his dynamic with mayor adam daniels which is his dad and everything it has a very much like wes and mr collins vibe mm-hmm. um there's definitely almost like that echo of kind of like i want better for my son who's kind of not know where he wants to be in life and then you know you also have the whole thing where the son becomes a ranger and can't tell his dad right and like it, uh, it definitely causes some tension because like Obviously, like, you can tell that Devin's dad loves him a lot, but, like, wants and to see him apply himself better and is kind of disappointed that, like, he can't seem to reach his... Not to fucking quote South Park, he can't seem to reach his kid. And then there's also the fact that Devin does want to make his dad proud. Yeah. But he just doesn't know how because, you know, he's young. Yeah, he's young and, like... You know, and obviously he can't tell his dad that he's a Power Ranger, so, like, the obviously when the job doesn't work out, or he goes running away from situations, or, like, he gets caught in grid battle force. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's like, I can't tell you what's going on, Dad, but, you know, I, you know, so it's, it's kind of that conflict of, I am being that responsible person you think I, you think I can be, but you can't see it. Which, uh, yeah, when he does take up Ranger, like, when he becomes a Ranger, it's it's very much by accident. He just sneaks into the facility. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Because he just wants to, he just wants to see some weird, sh- like, the weird shit in that facility. Yeah, because you know? he hears that, like, they're, they have, like, a digital, like, training room that's basically, like, a video game, and he wants to check that out. Yeah, you know, like, like, any young, dumb person. I really want to make that, uh, bam joke of young, dumb, and full of, you know, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, and um, and then he he witnesses the whole thing with Evox and Blaze and Roxy getting taken over, and uh, because of that, he was actually like because of him screaming like "What the fuck!" They were I think able to save Ravi. Yeah, like, he, like, he was able to throw something too to save Ravi. Yeah, like yeah, Devin kind of I think that's part of what sets Devin apart from like. Wes in this regard is that he does take rangering especially from that beginning spot where he's like hey you know something's up with this this seems off and it's able to really save Ravi in that regard yeah even even before they were they given him the ability to be a ranger you know he like when Wes becomes he's just kind of going through life he finds a pretty girl 
And he think and it kind of goes this heroing thing, and I, I do like that Jen immediately calls him out on it. Like, this isn't like a fun thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's like Wes does take it seriously, but not enough until like events happen later in that episode that actually is like, okay, yeah, I seriously want to do this. Cause, you know, basically my dad isn't saving these fucking kids. Yeah. And so Devin just immediately takes charge of trying to help the situation, just ends up in the situation, ends up in the position. And he takes it so seriously because of it. And there's like a bumpy road at the beginning, especially with him and Robbie. Uh, but it, you could definitely tell, like, Devin's like, I'm an adult now with the responsibilities. And uh, I-, I pointed out that makes him, I think, a, a very good rookie red. Oh, yeah. Like, he's not, like, he's not on the level of, like, Casey for me, because I feel like Casey is kind of the platonic ideal of what a rookie red should be. But, yeah. like, Devin's pretty high up there, honestly. Yeah, Devin's, Devin's, like, he's... He's basically like, well, I'm slapped into this, so I gotta make the best I can into this situation and try my best to keep up and learn. And, um, and I, like we mentioned, like, he really wishes his dad could see him, like, being this responsible adult. And I, but also, yeah. I feel, I feel like that feeds into the Halloween special, the first one, where he's like, dressing up's for kids. Oh, Yeah. 100% and then like he kind of by the end he's like no this is actually really fun I'm gonna like dress up myself and have fun with this yeah he was Sensei Bones from his his main I think for the video game he plays is Sensei Bones yeah so. which like I just that phrase Sensei Bones <laughs> yes and it sounds like something from a dumb fighting game you know right like yeah that tracks <laughs> uh there's, there's times where he does go through also the young adult thing of like, I am a very serious adult. Yeah, I will say he's less of a himbo. Like, no, he's not a himbo at all, like, compared to Wes. Yeah, like, like it's like, is he going to be a himbo? And it's like, nope. So, and like, a kind of a big through line for, you know, the first season, and I would say a little bit of the first half of season two, mm-hmm. though they kind of back up back off on this and kind of decide to focus on other things when they get to season two is that he kind of, he really does wish that his dad could see him for the ranger that he is yeah because again for the first season like his dad doesn't know and he can't know and so like there's these situations where it just seems like Devin is slacking off or not applying himself and he kind of just has to take you know his dad's disappointment because he can't tell him that he's a power ranger yeah which i'm thankful that they decided to kind of clear that up at the beginning of the first season yeah the the season finale kind of of that uh of that season was just like yep this is where he finds out yep yeah it was just it was very good because you know you know you you saw his dad get onto them for like the final time you're like god why can't you see who he is and then you know, Mayor Daniels watches his kid gets kidnapped, and he's like, what the fuck? My kid was our Power Ranger? Yeah. And also telling him, it's like, I always liked the Red Ranger anyway, so yeah. I've always been proud of you. So, yeah, it's just a nice moment, and, like, it kind of builds a little bit more in Season 2 with Mayor Daniels being possessed by Evox. Yeah. And, but yeah, I'm just glad that they got rid of that tension early instead of, like, building it up for, like, two freaking seasons of just, like... Having this play out of just like Mayor Daniels is once again disappointed in his son until the very last episode. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. 
And also, yeah, when Devin steps up, that's like a big moment. Like Devin, you know, he wants his when he when they find out about the whole thing with Evox, um, which is kind of like a mid-season uh, reveal. Honestly, I like they didn't take that one out either. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes into like a whole mission to find out how to actually like separate the two because everything else seems like this is going to kill your dad or freeze him for a long period of time. Right. So it's like. I need to find a solution immediately. And um, yeah, dad issues, but they aren't like terrible dad issues, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. I think we've covered all we can about Devin. So let's move on to our next uh, ranger, which is Robbie Shaw, a.k.a. Grid Battle Force Blue. And he's the Nepo baby of the team. (laughs) Yeah, we're just the the whole Nepo baby became a thing. And then we watched this and we're like, oh, my God, we're going to make Nepo baby jokes. But. Yeah, his his mother is Commander Shaw. Yeah, it was just again and, another uh, comparison to Lightspeed Rescue is having a ranger on the team that has their like actual parent as the mentor. Yeah. <laughs> uh and he's like super serious about being a ranger. I don't know if it's because of being an Epo baby or just because Robbie was raised very seriously. Or a combination of all of them, but like one of the first tension points you see with Robbie is um by the way i miss tension points with characters uh it's like yeah uh, nice to see that back let's see that back giving these characters arcs and tension points uh so one of the first things you definitely see is him breaking up with roxy and then you know roxy goes into a coma and there's this evil avatar roxy running around yeah and it's like it kind of like messes ravi up because like again since he takes it very seriously i think part of this is because he wants to do his mother proud yeah mommy issues (laughs) mommy issues but anyway so so ravi you know he's like a stickler for the rules he's like rangers can't date other rangers which like they they mostly introduce this to come up again later with other rangers we'll get into that um yeah but yes he's like oh rangers can't date other rangers and it causes him like this real bit of grief for the first season because like he he breaks up with roxy because of this because she's supposed to be the yellow ranger and then when she's like possessed by evox and goes like her actual body goes into a coma and they don't know when she's going to recover like he gets real emo about it because like Oh my god, I shouldn't have broken up with my girlfriend like that, because I still very much love her. Also, I think that was, like, one of the last conversations they had privately. Yeah, it's just just like, oh man, like, just, that is such a fucking thing to really be stuck on, is that your girlfriend's in a coma, you don't know when she's gonna wake up. She might be dead. She might be dead, she could die at any point. Like, and, and you, your last conversation was to her... No, we have to stay broken up. I don't care how much we love each other. Yeah, it's just like, God, like, no wonder he's so messed up. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you made the girlfriend and, well, no, Kurt made the girlfriend in a coma joke first. <laughs> Kurt, girlfriend in a coma, I know. <laughs> Fuck Morsi, but yeah, we were just like, oh my God, girlfriend in a coma. That's <laughs> just basically the Ravi for the entire first season is just like, uh, my girlfriend is in a coma and I'm sad about it. And I have to watch like her weird puppet self be like, make fun of me every fucking week. Yeah. Be evil. And, um, and eventually like leads to him like not following orders when the, when we see the destruction of these avatars the first time. Uh-huh. 
Because he's like, wait, if I kill the Avatar Roxy, regular, like, my Roxy will come back. Yeah. Like, our Roxy will recover. So he just blatantly disregards orders, gets, uh, you know, like, hands something over to the enemy because of it, because he leaves a van, like, unguarded, so, you know... Blaze can go, like, uh, um, uh, Avatar Blaze can go, like, grab, I forgot what they were, but they were, like, emitters. Mm-hmm. So you can go grab and steal that, because I gotta destroy the Avatar Roxy to get real Roxy back. And I also love, like, when he came back, it was like, not only did you fuck up the mission, but she's not out of the coma yet. Yeah, so, like, I mean, she does eventually come out of the coma, but, like, yeah, yeah no, this is definitely, he- does get called out on it and like but eventually like commander shaw does understand like why he did it yeah it's like oh okay yeah it's still not a great moment for him it's just sort of like what are you doing man (laughs) what are you doing you know um and then the other kind of thing you know because he's emo and sad he is secretly an artist and it's it's like a thing that's introduced in season one Mm -hmm. And it becomes, like, a, a decent tension point in season two is the fact that he's like, I have to keep quiet of being an artist because my mom is going to judge the shit out of me. She thinks it's a worthless career. Yeah, because basically, like, it's one of those things that I feel like they might, if this had come up in, like, one of the Neo Saban episodes, it probably would have mentioned, like, been mentioned in, like, an episode and then never brought up again. Or it was mentioned that episode and it resolved like 10 minutes later. Yeah. So I do like the fact that this is something that carries over in multiple episodes. It doesn't come up every episode, but definitely mm-hmm. like comes up enough that you know it is a consistent character aspect of Ravi. And it is something that is consistent enough with his character that it does affect the plot. Yeah. It, it was a nice like character myth arc for Ravi. Yeah. Yeah. And which it leads to it, this weird episode that like we keep saying that we're going to maybe do this as like a later episode where we're going to rank the our ep- episodes of Power Rangers that are basically coming out episodes but they're not actually coming out episodes. So the first one is so basically he's got like caught painting by Smash and he freaks out and reprograms Smash to forget like the minute long period where that happened where he saw that uh, but it causes a yeah. whole thing <laughs> where like one smash starts painting because like for, there's it's like a hardwired into his brain now and two like it's very yeah. obvious that like they go and look at the records i think nate does and it's just like oh somebody tampered with smash's memory and they think it's like evox and it's like no ravi fucked up yeah, and had to tell him, and then everyone's like, "Well, why do you? Why, why are you hiding this? You know, you know, even like because he was using, you know, Nate's like lab to be his paint studio for a bit, especially since he was working on something with yeah. Roxy, and and so he like, you know, shows them everything, and it's like, okay, like why is it? It's like my mom wouldn't approve, and then they understand, and they're like, okay, like we're not gonna push you to go tell your mom." We think she would understand, but we understand yeah. that you're not ready. And so, and at the end of the episode, after they fix Smash and, like, deprogram the 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 need to paint out of him, uh, Smash is like, yeah, I've yeah. known you're an artist for a, a while. I just, I would never tell your mom about that. Like, 
it's clearly Smash showing himself like, I'm your friend. I'm not going to push you before you're ready to like talk about this. Yeah. And that leads to the mural painting episode where, you know, you have Ravi painting this mural and then all of a sudden his mom like runs yeah. in on it. Like she was going out for her morning run because that's what commanders do. They keep in shape and run and learn. She's like, oh, what you doing? Yeah, and like he said, he claims that he chases off the person who painted this. And she makes a comment about, ha, that sounds like a real waste of time. Which Ravi's just like, ha, like, yeah, oh, no. uh, shifty eyes. And then, um, but, you know, people in the town come see the mural and they think it's really beautiful. Um, and then, like, Ravi is, like, at some point, like, I think that was the same episode where he's, like, washing his hands in the in the lab. And, like, yeah. he's, like, he talks about, like, they were, they were, like, remodeling at his house. And, like, he says it's to Nate and Steele. And they're just, like, uh-huh, remodeling. And, like... The, yeah, it was either that one or the one prior. Yeah, I mean, but know, it still kind so. of plays into that whole, like, coming out but not really metaphor. Because, like, yeah. they're just like, yeah, we know you're a painter. Like, you don't have to lie to us about it. You you don't have to do the, the Macbeth out-out damn spot yeah. shit with us, so, okay? And he's just like, I know, I've just been so used to lying about it that it's kind of second nature at this point. And then, like... So, yeah. in the episode where he paints the mural, like, one of, like, Evox's monsters, like, is playing this, like, foppish French painter. <laughs> hot, 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 hot. And he's just like, I painted the mural. It is my work. And, like, uh, Commander Shaw is, like, initially, like, is this true, Ravi? You said he chased him off. Like, does he look like that? And, like, Ravi's just like, like, you know, it's this moment where, like, he can tell the truth and he's like, no, see, that's the guy. He's the one who did it. And then, like, I don't know if it's because they realize he's a mon, an e like one of Evox's monsters, or like, I think it is because they realize it's one of Evox's monsters. And he goes running and basically has yeah. to kind of tell his mom the truth. It's like, no, he didn't paint it. And she's like, well, you just said he did. And he's like, I know, I I was the one who painted it. And, like, you can kind of tell okay. that she's just, like, he, that she's initially very disappointed that her son lied to her. Yeah. And then, like, at the end of the episode, like, they have this discussion about, like, you know, they actually talk about his art. And she just goes, uh, she basically has the moment where she's like, I am disappointed in myself that I made you feel like I couldn't, you couldn't be honest with me. And, like, she accepts him as an artist and, like takes him to the mural and lets him sign his name on it which is just yeah. like it's such a sweet moment like especially because like there's not a whole ton of moments where you see them as i mean there's a there's a decent amount over the series but there's not a whole ton of moments where you see them as mother and son and so it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of nice to have that moment but yeah it definitely comes it definitely feels like this is a mom having her pee flag parent moment <laughs> yeah she's like oh my god i can't believe that i couldn't like you felt like i could you couldn't come out to me <laughs> it's like yeah it, it was um yeah it, 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 and like like you kind of pointed out they very much have that very distant relationship i think he doesn't even call her call call him mm -hmm. her mom like, Ravi actually goes yeah, commander. Yeah, and, like, I, I think maybe part of it is that, one, he wants to 
makes it appear that he's not depending on, like, that he's here for his own accord and not just because his mom's commander. But also, mm-hmm. like, part of, like, making his mom proud while also not trying to come across as, like, he's only here for uh, out of nepotism. And yeah. so, like, I think, yeah, there is sort of just the pro- this professional distance in their relationship, which I think just makes the moments where they do have that, the like, the mother-son moments just even more profound, I guess? I don't know if that's the, yeah. Yeah, they pop out, they, they pop yeah, out and have Yeah, and, like, especially as nice at the end of the series when, like, she, they, they like, you see them painting together. So it's just a yeah. nice moment. And, and, you know, obviously she's kind of sound, uh, because it ends like he's together with Roxy. She's basically accepted Roxy yeah. being part of the family. Um, and um, I guess if we have nothing more to say about Ravi, we can move on to our grid. Bar- yeah, so let's Yellow. talk about Zoe Reeves, who I, I just love her. I love her so much. I've loved her since, like, we first watched Beast Morphers, like, around the time that we... Well, we don't watch all of Beast Morphers, but we watched started. a few episodes of Beast Morphers around the time we started the podcast, because that one was starting to air at the time. And just, like, yeah. I, I've just loved her for years, and it's nice to kind of just see, get to finally see more of her. And um, yeah. she's just a laundry she- girl trying to solve big problems. <laughs> Yeah, because when you first see her, she's the one giving Mayor Daniels a tour, and you're thinking she's probably, like, a part of the the group or something, and then she later reviews, like, no, I work in laundry. But, like, <laughs> when Grid Battle Force is attacked in that first episode, instead of, like, evacuating with the rest of, like, Grid Battle Force, she's like, I don't run from problems, I solve big problems. And she, she runs towards this problem. And that's, that's kind of like, she's very brave, I think, to, even though she feels like she's coward. Like, I think she has those moments where, like, I I know, like, this is a very scary, stupid thing to do, mm-hmm. but I gotta do it. Which has, which does lead her, you know, to other situations, like getting a dinosaur fossil yeah, and like, killed. Yeah, she's definitely, as you said, kind-hearted to a fault. Like, she stands up, like, she very much cares about people. She stands up for people. She tries to do the right thing. And sometimes that bites her in the ass. (laughs) That is actually sometimes, that's something, that's another lesson I kind of like, is like, you know, it's it's okay if things fuck up. Uh, If something if you if you're gonna be brave enough if you're gonna like try to fix something don't mm-hmm. risk your life for it and like sometimes your greatest strength can also oh, be yeah. your greatest weakness yeah so because yeah ba- basically the episode we're talking about is an in- a later episode where her brother it's just hinted at she has an older brother who's in college and he comes to visit it sounds like he's trying to get into like a grad mm-hmm. school program and he just discovered a dinosaur and like, hey, can you get this dated for me at Great Battle Force? And she's like, oh, hell yeah. And, you know, while she's trying to get stuff done, because this is this is essentially an interview that's going to land him a, like a scholarship to a master's mm-hmm. program and shit. And while she's, you know, trying to get this done in an orderly manner, she mistakes Nate's directions and pours caustic acid all over a table and it like right. destroys the fossil. And when she has to tell her brother, her brother's like, ah, f- you know, fuck, you know, and it's like, oh, can't you get another one? And it's like, oh, yeah, I was on that peak and that was super dangerous. How do you think I injured my shoulder? 
And he's just like, you know, it's fine. You could tell he's upset, but he doesn't want to, like, be, like, take it Mm -hmm. out on her. You know, because it's like, she was trying to help you, bro. It's it's okay, you know. And it's like, ah, there's next year. I can figure out something else. I can still do the interview. It's fine, you know. And she's just like, no, I gotta fix this. And climbs this this peak and nearly gets killed by Avatar Roxy. It's like, yeah. Well, you tried, And then when... Yeah, and then when her brother finds not about the avatar thing, but about like the fact that she nearly did almost die, he he was just like, "I'm glad that I have you as a sister. I'm glad you'll do these things for me. Don't do anything to risk your life like that again. That is that nothing is worth that." It's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm- so and like a kind of that mix of like Zoe being kind hearted to a fault is also she's a little bit of an anxiety baby. Oh yeah, she's just just riddled with anxiety. I can I can definitely tell. She just she just has that anxiety. Like ah, like that's her brain. Yeah, just like about everything. <laughs> like she'll even like like we mentioned with Ben and Betty. Like she'll even like take fall for friends because she's like, oh no, Devin's gonna get mad and kill us. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it's. You know, you just you just have that kind of thing. It actually, and that unfor- that does sadly get used against her when uh, Megan. I think Megan. that's her name. Because oh, like God, Megan, yeah. Because like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm gonna blackmail you. And of course, like Zoe's anxiety kicks in the gear. And she's just like, oh no, I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's just yeah, poor girl. She's got anxiety, but like. She's just so sweet, and, like, you kind of mentioned it here, is that she's kind of got, I don't know if it's because, like, she's really the only girl on the team this season, but, like, it definitely felt like they didn't have to slot her into being either the girly girl of the team or the tomboy of the team. Yeah, one of the things uh, I noted when watching, and I told you this, it's like, I can tell when, you know, they have different, they had different makeup Mm -hmm. looks for Zoe. Like, when she is on the job... And she's training or something. I know it's like it's either trying to do a no makeup look with makeup because, you know, it's camera. <laughs> she has to wear some yeah. pounds of makeup, um, you know, or, or just it's very light, like like lip gloss, maybe like mascara. But then there's time where she does have like full beat mm-hmm. on her face. You know, it's like you have the highlighter, you have like the blush and 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 all that and i i love that i i actually love that she had different makeup looks to convey like yeah she's she's pretty girly when she wants to be like any other girl like she she felt and it's normally like when she's not doing rain like she doesn't have a specific ranger duty that day like she's just hanging out at the juice bar or something you know she she normally has that makeup on. I'm like, I love this. Ah, different makeup looks. This is a yeah. good character thing. So, and kind of a thing, another thing that kind of carries across the series, um, similar to Ravi being an artist or Devin's like conflict with his dad, is that she has a thing for Nate. And like they kind of approach yeah. this early on, is that like she goes ends up going to a movie that she know that she knows he's going to be at because like she knows he's gonna be there and maybe they can hang out um yeah and i just and they kind of started this thread mm-hmm. a little earlier in like uh the the morphex episode with the bikes which i will get into yeah. that and lots and ends with the bikes but uh 
basically with it is like you know you know she and nate are just bonding with each other you can kind of tell like at least nate's Mm -hmm. starting to like her you know and this this again comes from the big kindheartedness saying of like we don't need more roads maybe we could do something with the more facts bikes that i invented and then she literally goes in when they think that they're gonna like they're not gonna be able to do the more facts bikes which by the way can I just say that, like, a week is not a long enough time to do a pilot program like that? <laughs> yes, because this yeah. is part of your job. Yeah, somewhat. no, it's just like, no, if it's like a, a government thing, you gotta have it, like, at least three months, like, or three to six months to see if, like, it's people are actually going to take to it. But anyway, yeah, so... But even when they think, oh, we're the Morphex bikes are not going to take off. It's going to become a road. She tries to go and save all the animals she can in the forest. Yeah, it's just like ugh, she's just she's too good for this world, too pure. <laughs> and so, like her, they start kind of actually, you know, she does go to this movie that also gets the blackmail mm-hmm. material to happen. And um, so. After the blackmail material, all of a sudden, like, her and Nate actually do open up Yeah, to but other. they, again, because rangers aren't allowed to date other rangers, like, they can't actually date. So they kind of are just in this weird, like, they very clearly like each other, and they like spending time together, and they're very flirty with each other, but they can't actually, like, do anything about it. Yeah, they kind of, like, they, they slight secretly date, but it's nothing, like, way too serious. Until, of course, yeah, like, Steel steps Steel doesn't... <laughs> Bless Steel. Like, he didn't know really where to stop on that. <laughs> but eventually, like, his intervention does kind of get the whole, like, Rangers can't date other Rangers rule revoked. Because, like, um, Commander Shaw is just like, I see now that your relationship is what makes you stronger. It doesn't make you weaker. Yeah. And really, that thing should just be in place if it's like, you know... A commanding officer yeah. in an NCO <laughs> type situation. Like, you shouldn't date your boss, but dating someone who is equal to yeah, you is fine. Like, I don't, yeah, that was, again, they really just introduced that to cause, like, dramatic tension here. Like, and with Ravi and Roxy, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, even though Roxy is not a Power Ranger, so, like, it's, but they needed that tension of just, like, Ravi feeling sorry for himself about, like, letting that get in the way of, of his own love. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it really should have been more of a thing in, like, Time Force. Like, Alex, you shouldn't have been able to propose to your yeah, student that's, there, that's... but, you know, that that ruins the whole eventual relationship with Wes when she finds his ancestor. Yeah, and, like, oh, well, he's actually, like, way nicer than Alex. Yeah. <laughs> This this guy, I love this guy. But yeah, I, I actually, um, I love that you went to find out more stuff on Tumblr and people were weird. Yeah, okay, so it was like one, I went to go find like a GIF on Tumblr. I think it was, I was trying to find, I think, GIFs of Steel in the, in the tutu. Yeah. And like, um, so I was trying to find something and I just saw somebody complaining about Nate and Zoe because they were just like, like, Nate's not straight. I fully see him as gay. I'm like, he can be bisexual for all you know. <laughs> These are not, like, you can interpret this however you want. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. But, like, it just kind of is like, sorry you don't like the canon ship, but you gotta deal with canon sometimes, you know? Yeah, and plus, as far as canon ships on Power Rangers go, this one's actually pretty good. 
Yeah, it's like this one. This one wasn't that bad. Yeah, I guess my thing is like ship what you ship. If you view Nate as gay, that's great. But like, it's, you know, it's it just kind of comes off as you're you're just kind of like, how dare you not placate to my headcanon? It's like, sorry, man. That's what fan fiction's for. You can go off right fan fiction. Yeah. But yeah, but we also Zoe comes off very bisexual too. Yeah. So, so like, it's definitely that moment of like. Oh, look at this heterosexual couple. Unless. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, there's these times where it just felt like, when when you have, re- like, regular Roxy come back, I just remember, like, Zoe's flirting with regular Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> Ravi, watch out. Zoe's gonna steal your girl. <laughs> and I think Zoe might have a little bit more game than <laughs> Ravi does sometimes. I think, and I think it would be by accident too, because yeah. Zoe's just a friendly person, right? She she's that type of just accidentally steals your girl, not purposely, but accidentally. It's like, oh wait, I was too friendly, and now I have a girlfriend. Whoops, <laughs> whoops. Let's you haul it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've kind of touched on Nate, so let's go on to Nate, who is Nate Silva, who is our grid battle force gold. Uh, he's he's a very typical child prodigy scientist type. I I like immediately says like he has Wesley Crusher vibes. I can see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Slightly has a little bit more like teenagerness to him because you know you actually have a show that writes teenagers instead of like the TNG writers are like, what do we do with a teenager? Yeah. Make him make him like an omni god or something, like just plot devising all over the place. Why does everyone hate this teenager? Like, yeah, that's also kind of what happened with fucking Dawn and Buffy. Because, like, yeah, I, nobody. How do we write a middle schooler? Yeah, how do you write an angsty middle schooler, especially when she finds out that she was like she didn't exist before last year? <laughs> uh Anyway, can I blame Joss Whedon? Yeah, fucking Joss. I feel like the other writers could handle that better if it wasn't for him being there. Yeah, like, I feel like it came across a, it came across a little bit better in season six when he wasn't really involved too much in, like, the day-to-day because he's yeah, busy with Firefly. Like, yeah, like, season six Dawn is, like, I actually like Dawn from the beginning, but season six Dawn was definitely like, oh, yeah, no, they definitely evened out and figured out what to do with this character. Yeah, like, I am, I am a Dawn, I'm an ardent Dawn defender, and I will always be like, season six! Season six. Yeah, yes, we know season yeah. six is depressing as fuck, but like, roll with me on this. Anyway, back to back to Nate. <laughs> back to Nate, who is who is written. You know, he's a child prodigy, but he's also written like a goddamn like young adult teenager. Like, I'm guessing he's supposed to be like 17 or something. Yeah, like he's still he's not like he's kind of the baby of the team, but like baby in the sense of like he's like 16, 17 years old, where the rest of the team is like, you know. 20 at most yeah i would say zoe is probably like at most maybe like a year older than him yeah it feels like zoe's like at least a year older like around the same age where like devin and ravi definitely feel like young 20 something yeah maybe 19 at the youngest yeah and like and i think it also comes from the fact that he's like mostly raised in a lab because like he's been working in the lab for grid battle force since he was really young is this, yeah, it's basically his parents traveled around, and I'm, I'm guessing, like, Grid Battle Force tapped him, because it's like, hey, this kid, like, loves playing around with shit, and he's very smart. 
Yeah, and like, so obviously he kind of like, it's that mix of like seen as a child prodigy and like regarded as such, but then like, it's a thing in like the early episodes where like, he's not allowed to leave the lab without like supervision because that's, he's yeah. too important to grid battle force. Yeah, it sounds like that was definitely a thing more along the lines once there were starting to be enemies, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, He's kind of like Dr. K, how Dr. K was raised, with a little bit more freedom. Yeah, but I feel like that definitely, he kind of has that moment of, like, it is a bit of a teenager moment where, like, that moment where his autonomy is taken away in that regard. He's yeah. fucking pissed off about it, which he should be. He's like, hey, I want to be able to go out and do shit. I don't want to be guarded all the time. Right. Um, uh, and also, I'll just say this real quick. Fuck his parents. I fucking could not stand them in the episode they were, like, they actually showed up. Oh, my God. It's like, they're trying to make them out as, like, oh, they're humanitarians, and they're nice, and all that. I'm just like, dude, you basically just decided that humanitarian efforts were more important than your fucking kid. Yeah, like, so it's like, you didn't take him out to do this kind of stuff, or, like, were you just, like... Because it's like, they don't even talk about, like, did they leave him in Coral Harbor as, like, to kind of, as, like, to continue his education because they didn't want to interfere with that. Yeah, you know, Jotaro is a shit fucking father to Jolene, but at least he had the fucking excuse (laughs) that I don't want Dio and his minions to kill you. (laughs) I would rather be a bad father. Right. (laughs) and not be in your life than have you dead so he at least had a sub excuse a little bit more but like man your parents just were like no we're gonna go off and be missionaries or whatever the fuck yeah they don't even really talk about what their humanitarian efforts are so it's like it could be anything from like the weird humanitarian thing from like rpm with the like building organic like tennis rackets in other countries (laughs) The other thing that actually connects RPM. Yeah. <laughs> that's who that's who Flynn worked for for a while. Yeah. <laughs> His parents. Oh God. Um But yeah, I just I have no respect for his parents. They're they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, that was like who's who's worried we're gonna have to do a bad parent tier list sometime because it's like we have them we have james narvaro actually has an excuse too he was being hunted yeah even if he is very bad at like letting his son know why he disappeared yeah it's just like at least he had the i was being hunted and like this these things could have killed you excuse uh, which didn't work when he came back, by the way. Yeah, and he's like, oh, well, I still need to go disappear because I need to protect you. It's like, your son is a Power Ranger! <laughs> your son's the Red Ranger, it's fine. You can even, you could make up the whole, like, that could have been better off as like, hey, this fucking sucks because I want to be in your fucking life, but like, uh... More like uh, Morgan needs me and to study this one thing. Like, at least they use that. Have to be- at least use that excuse in VR Troopers. It was flimsy yeah, then, like- but at least it made more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had Brody's dad, who's just like, "I'm back and I'm in your lives," but we're not going to mention it till the last episode. Oh God, yeah. Like, maybe that's the tier list we do once we kind of get to. Well, not stopping point, but you know, like after, like after next season with cosmic, like Dino Fury and Cosmic Fury, we don't really need to worry too much about the McDonald's chart. <laughs> it's like who's the bad parents? Sorry for this tangent, but yeah, fuck Nate's parents. I do not like them. 
They were, you know, it's just like, and then we're going to, we want you to go to Costa Rica with us. And of course, like, yeah, since he can't tell them that he's, he's a power ranger. <laughs> and, and if that almost felt manipulative too, it's like, but you said you were going to come back and be with me. Oh yeah. But we, we were thinking you were going to come to Costa Rica with us. Oh man. That, ugh. Like, you can tell this podcast was done by millennial kids that had to deal with uh, their boomer parents. Uh, well, you had Gen X parents, but still. Yeah. Like, that 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 tactic, I'm just like, did you really just, like, tell them, like, oh, we're gonna be a family again, and meaning, like, you're gonna be traveling with us, so you have no say? Yeah, that's just, yeah, it was kind of messed up, honestly. Yeah. We don't have time to unpack our family trauma and the family trauma of Nate. Let's get back to Nate. Okay, so <laughs> um, so as we find out in one of the last episodes of season two, he, he accidentally brought Vengex into this world while he was fucking around with Ranger Tech. Yeah, that was, that blew our minds. Like, oh, they actually brought in that cliffhanger. Yeah, from RPM, because like RPM kind of leaves on this cliffhanger of like, oh, but Vengex is still alive and he's in the Morphers. And, you know, here's Nate as a kid just being like, I'm going to combine DNA from animals with these morphers and see what happened because I'm a child. Yeah, because I like, think he was trying to figure out, like, how to do this, like, the animal DNA stuff that we see, like, that carries over through the season. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just he didn't realize he brought Vengex into this world. He actually goes through this whole thing about it. Like, this is part of his character arc at the very end of the series is realizing this is what I done. And they actually have to bring in Dr. K. Yes. And basically she kind of has to snap him out of it in her very Dr. K fashion. Yeah. It's just basically like, cause, cause Nate's going like, no one understands me. And I, I credit to, to his girlfriend, Zoe is like, he's right. None of us understand him, but Hey, Devin, you called Dr. K. Let's see if we can get her here. Yeah. Which that works out perfectly. Honestly. And you had Dr. K come over and he's basically, like, doing the whole thing of, like, you know, you need to kind of solve, you know, you can't keep beating yourself up and even bringing up her own thing. It's like, but you don't understand. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like, she's not. I am you, but older and female. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, we'll touch more, a little bit more on Dr. K a little bit later. Um, yeah. So something you noted and you kind of notice about this about Nate is that even for the first few episodes, obviously, we kind of see him as just the scientist for the team. Yeah. And then um, but as soon as he kind of like he gets kidnapped and like he kind of inst he's instantly brave and is a little bit of a fighter, even though, you know, he doesn't really look it. <laughs> Again, what I really love about this, one, one of the things I'm loving about the character writing so far is like. You can tell these characters are afraid of their situation, but they're like, I have to do something here. Right. And yeah, Nate's Nate's always been a bit, you know, I love that Nate always kind of had to go, like, not a go get him this, but definitely like, hey, I'm not a child, blah, 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 all this stuff about him. And, you know, and he's he still had that. So that really kicked in there where he's like, I got to figure out a way of the situation. I have to be brave. And uh, one of the big things is he actually uses, you know, he didn't use brawn or anything. He, it was literally a, a brain situation of like, I got a fake that I'm making this fucking like body for uh, Evox, but in actuality, I'm literally going to tap into the morphing grid and make sure you don't get like, like these powers. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, that's how he gets Steel, obviously, and his ranger powers. Yeah. Cause... And then Blake Foster cried about it. Yes. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, like, and it's such a cool moment because, again, he does literally use his brain to, like, solve the problem and, like, one, to keep Evox out of the world, but then, like, I don't even think he was fully certain if it was going to turn him into a Power Ranger or not. Yeah, it was just like, I just I just need to get something to get out of here. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's how that works. Oh, and also, I have a robot brother now. Yeah, I have a robot brother. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, a, a man invents something and loves it very much. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Lord gives him such a special oh gift. Oh my god, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have to reference that AJ Styles clip. Yeah, that's going in our fucking show notes. Good job, Sid. <laughs> AJ Styles describing sex. Oh God, you you have tortured me with this for like four years. <laughs> now I get to torture our audience with. Yeah, it. this is this is what I deal with, guys. This is what I deal with on a <laughs> semi daily basis. <laughs> Well, you don't bring it up that much, at least not anymore. No, I really don't. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I'm just like, but yeah, you know, he, he ends up using, yeah, creates life essentially, uh, not in a weird Dr. Sun way, because Dr. Sun's very weird. If we ever do watch TNG, he's a, Data's creator's very weird. I, so I, so. so I have gleaned from what you've told me in Lower Decks. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, he and you know he's part of the team now, and he he just he transitions pretty well, Mm -hmm. which I really like. And um, but also, yeah, that thing with Zoe, like his other tension point is uh wanting to do a romance. Yeah, and like it's it definitely sometimes feels like watching two autistics trying to like get. I was gonna say something about Zoe being autistic, (laughs) but I did. I would. (laughs) We didn't bring it up, but like. (laughs) She she has she has autistic vibes. Yeah. So. But uh, but yeah, it does it definitely does feel like that, and they almost kiss. Yeah, like they tease it like really badly that they're gonna kiss, but then like he accidentally dumps ramen broth in her lap. Yeah, like goddamn, maybe sh- Power Rangers. We don't want kissing still. That's gross. Uh, I think like do we get it next season? Like I did see like. <laughs> fern briefly kissed like izzy so like yeah it comes back it sounds like but gay or yeah whatever. but yeah i was just like i kind of wanted them to actually kiss right there because it's like they actually did build up to that moment and it's like oh okay it's like yeah it's like oh, why is power ranger so afraid of kissing <laughs> it's like kim and 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 tommy kissed once and they were afraid ever since yeah like it's it's so weird it is such a weird fucking thing like you don't they don't need to be like tongue kissing or anything just like a kiss it's a kiss um yeah like i I will still uh, never i will still never not be mad about the fact that wes and jen couldn't kiss on the beach in the last episode of time force okay (laughs) yeah i've I've heard and i kind of like i could see where it's coming from where like jen's just that emotionally constipated Mm -hmm. But it's like, I get that, but also it's very frustrating how Power Rangers doesn't let people kiss. Yeah, like, I feel like it's like at that moment, like, I feel like that's the moment you need to let them have, like, that emotional release. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, it's like the, the the season after you basically implied Taylor and Eric fucked. Yeah, like come on, man. Oh, like, anyway, <laughs> I can handle your weapon. Like you implied they fucked. You can handle a kiss scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just like I don't. It's like I don't buy that. They're both gay. <laughs> <laughs> They're both very, uh, very bisexual. It's true. Yeah, that I are, just, I are, just wanted uh, to Eric, complain about it. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. But also, we don't know. Eric might be, might be an egg. <laughs> Speaking of eggs, I'm just going to let you take this next point. <laughs> I'm trying not to be like, ah, oh, yes, the tiny geeky boy is trans because that seems like me. But I'm just like, he feels trans. Well, it's like the same trans vibes that you get off of Wesley Crusher, honestly. Yeah. Though, I, I do love that Wesley Crusher ends up with, like, the whole thing uh, where he does eventually, like, uh, yeah, I, I no longer go by that name. I'm the Traveler. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that, is that in Picard or else? That's in Picard in, like, one of the novels that they, that's a reference to. Ah, uh, okay, so. okay, okay. So, yeah. But I still call him Wesley. I feel bad. I'm like, that's his dead name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, but yeah, it's like I'm trying to mull through those feelings because is this me projecting or is am I just getting trans vibes off of Nate? So jury to be out. I almost want to say yes, just despite that one person who was like, he's obviously gay. I'm like, yeah, he came from lesbians, and that's why he's dating a girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they, it's it definitely going to be one of those things that like, I don't. It's one of those things I don't think Power Rangers would ever, like, really confirm that. So, like, it's up to your interpretation, Bunny. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. Roll with that interpretation. Um, And, but yeah, no, kind of the conclude, I did like his romance with Zoe. Um, There were better written romances, but I like that they also kept it a little consistent through time. Yeah. Um, Like, it didn't feel like... Even though it's like they couldn't find another, like, tension point with it, that's okay. You just needed to be background radiation. Yeah, and I just, I do appreciate the fact that, like, again, it was something that came up consistently throughout the series. It wasn't just, like, we're gonna throw them together at the very end. Yeah, it's like, we'll actually build to it. And then, you know, they end up staying together through, through it, too. So, I'm like, yay. So, that's that's about Nate, uh, what we have for Nate. So let's go to uh, his his brother Steel Grid Battle Force Silver. Um, as I noted, fifty percent robot, twenty five percent Nate, twenty five percent Beetle, and a hundred percent Himbo. And a hundred percent reason to remember the name. <laughs> that was a bad joke. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, we, we really fell in love with this dumbass robot. Oh, God. Yeah, Steel might just be... He might just be the dumbest character that Power Rangers has given us that is a ranger for, like, a while. Yeah, like, since Dustin, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a minute. But, like, he's just so earnest. And, like, he's trying very hard. And, like, yeah, he's stupid. But, like, you can't help but love him. Yeah. And a lot of his stupidity just comes from him being a dumbass robot wanting to be human. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just love the fact that, like, they didn't make it that, like, just because he's a robot, he's automatically, like, knows everything and is really smart. Oh, yeah. They normally do that with robots. And instead, it's like, no, he's a fucking dumbass. Yeah. 
He only knows what he's programmed. Yeah, it was just like, I love, I did love that one episode. It was just like, I forget which episode it was, but he was like confronted with like, he figures out that somebody is an impersonator. I think it was like, I think he figured out that the Nate had been impersonated. Yeah. And he's like, ha, don't let my looks fool you. I am very, very dumb. <laughs> yeah. And he was trying to say that he was smart, but like... <laughs> And he was, and he went, oh, wait. And I was like, no, no, honey, you are very dumb. Yes. But we love you for it. <laughs> I think it was the same episode where it was just like, Nate, uh, no, I think that was a different episode where, like, Nate's like, well, I'll get you a pet if you can do a plant. Yeah. And, like, oh, well, not even by his own fault, like, but he fails at taking care of the plant. <laughs> yeah, like, the plant gets accidentally vaporized and he's upset. Because I think this was the, that was the episode where they all get their memories wiped, but he doesn't. Right, because he's... Because, you know, he, he has his special robot brain. Yeah. So he, it, he lacked the Delta brain. <laughs> he lacked the Delta brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Futurama jokes from here, guys. You're just going to have to accept it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, he's he, he had to team up with, like, Devin, who does not remember the shit at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, Spot, my plant died. Devin's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, but then he gets a dog at the end and gives it to, it like, a family. Because the the mom was like, there were no puppies. Which had me just be like, then get a dog that's a little older. Like, they need love, too. It's like, you know, and you don't have to train them. Well, you might have to train them a hard. little bit, but like, you know, like yeah. you're not having to deal with having to potty train them or like train them how to be around humans because they might already know how to be around humans. PSA, I guess, to parents listening who are like, okay, we need to look into a pet for the family. Get a slightly older pet because like if you want to teach like the responsibility and also add that member to your family you don't have to go through the litter training potty training a lot of other training and those those are normally more of your perfect beginner family family friendly pets okay yeah and like they're not getting adopted from shelters as much because like people want the cute little puppies or kittens and not like the full-grown cats that already have their own personality yeah like uh trust me when i say like Raising a kitten sucks. I mean, I in the- fairness, most people are not going to be raising kittens from when you were raising a kitten, but yeah, like... God, that sucked, though. You were going through it when you were raising Joe. <laughs> oh my god, she was so tiny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, aside from the PSA, we're going to go back to Steel. Uh, but yeah, like, that's kind of his big driving force is really, he wants to be human, and he's so curious about it, and I, I do love that they have not only, like, a childlike curiosity, but almost, like, he's just kind of also a little dumb to the world, too. Like, nobody programmed him about ancient Greece. Oh, yeah. Let's go learn about it. So, yeah, and, like, and- there's, there's a whole, there's a whole episode where, like, he thinks that, he, when they think, it's the beginning of the second season when they think that, like, evox has basically been defeated and they don't have to worry about him anymore and like nate uh, not nate steel is just like oh i think evox is back and like he's just pulling out like conspiracy theories from the internet pepe sylvia shit too. yeah and it's just like okay i think somebody needs to teach like steel about like conspiracy theories and how many of them are just rooted in anti-semitism it's like bigfoot's okay some of these though yeah but yeah, that, and, and then he ended up being right. Like, that was the thing. It's like, yeah, maybe still had a point. Maybe we should have listened to him. And I'm like, 
Look, as long as he's not going off about secret cabals of, like, child-eating people, like, you're good, okay? Yeah, let's just, let's just keep that above the, uh, the anti-Semitism line of no return. Yeah, like, like, if he's just yakking about Bigfoot, it's okay. Bigfoot's okay. Or Mothman. Yeah. They can't do Mothman and Power Rangers, he's too sexy. Yeah, no, you t- <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so, uh, one of the things, uh, because, like, there's an actual, like, we haven't had a body swap episode in a while. Yeah, so, I think, yeah, especially with how Steel is as a character, it lends to an actually pretty good body swap episode, where, like, he gets to be human for, like, a day, because he's, uh, he overtakes Nate's body. Yeah, and it's kind of, it, it's very interesting, because Nate also kind of realizes, like, oh, wow, no, I like being human, you know, yeah. this this does feel like a trans metaphor of like I'm experiencing human dysphoria. Yeah. Cuz he's just like, wow, <laughs> these are things I really take for granted as a human that like I just can't do because I'm in a robot body. Meanwhile, uh Steel has the vibes of Bender from the uh uh Interest Anthology episode uh I Meet Bad. Oh yeah. Where Bender becomes human. I bet I can eat nachos and, like, go to the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> like, you're gonna just see steal, eat a hot dog in the middle of eat a hot dog, kiss somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, which thankfully it's not that extreme. It's like, he's not about to be rolled off because he, like, gave himself a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! That was just... Oh my goodness. Uh, but they did have a musical number. So. Which, that was just so crazy. Like, it was an actual musical number. It wasn't like in, like, Steel's head. No, it's like an actual musical number happened. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, okay. I like this new Power Rangers. Seriously. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, there's a lot, but, but because he's learning a lot of how to be human, there was that weird disciplinarian episode. Mm-hmm. Oh god, that episode where, like, was so weird because like basically like because steel doesn't quite understand how humans do like he sees like a little girl in a park who like she drops something on the ground instead of throwing it away and her dad kind of in a real in my opinion a bit of an asshole manner is like like don't you do that now go pick up three extra pieces of trash and so like you know, Steel's like, hey, that seems unfair, and, like, the rangers are like, well, no, like, sometimes you gotta, like, give somebody, like, teach them when they do something wrong that they have, like, they have to take a little bit of punishment. Yeah. And it ends up in this whole thing where he keeps trying to, like, punish people when he, like, has no authority to really do so? Like, randomly, too. Uh, random people. People that he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, the one, uh, like, server from the juice bar. It's like, yeah, it's like, he's not your employee. He's just trying to do his job. Like, calm down, bro. It's like, we need to teach, we need to teach Steel about positive discipline. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely, like, and then eventually does bite him in the ass when he, he gets the one person fired. And he doesn't even realize, like, yeah, the reason why his brain, like, he picked up this box. That was, that, that's the episode where, like, Nate gets, um, 
and taken over and he doesn't realize it's like oh yeah nate got taken over because like this box possessed this other person yeah and you got him fired on that technicality because oh you let a box come in that wasn't screened prior so mm-hmm. you're obviously still slacking on your job it's like yeah that's just uh, that whole episode is real fucking weird i did love that they're just like yeah steel you're too much of an asshole no instead of like steel has a point it's like, yeah, yeah, that was like, that one was that, I don't know if that episode really concluded the way it really should have. Yeah, well, you know, it's Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so he becomes human after uh, doing a sacrifice, essentially, like, he kills Eva. He, tra- he basically, like, destroys Evox in the morphing grid type thing. Yeah, so, like... He, so yeah, he sacrifices himself to save the rest of the team, and like, it seems like it, he falls within, like, he falls in the line of duty, and like, is acknowledged as such, and then at the end of the episode, like, he's back to life, but now he's a human. <laughs> Morphing Grit not only brought him back, made him a real boy. Yeah, which like... What is it I said on Twitter? It's like, if I had a nickel for every time a robot in a season of Power Rangers died at the end and then came back as a human, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that seemed to have happened. And um, I kind of wanted, I guess it's like, I wish they casted like someone more bro-y looking. Yeah, because it's just like, I think they were trying to get somebody that kind of looked like Nate. Nate and younger, yeah. But at the same time, I'm just like Steel came off so bright, and then of course, like he he later becomes an action star, and so I'm like, oh okay. It's, oh god, it was but, so uh, funny about Blaze being his like stunt double in that. <laughs> Blaze just ends up getting a the stunt double life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, you know, and, and yeah, the whole like dying thing because they they really do acknowledge just like Steel like. Like, five rangers went to the battle, only four returned. It's like, yeah, it was just, just like, damn. Damn. And then they even said, like, you know, where we're going, we might not come back. And I'm like, fuck. Like, it, it definitely is one of those moments where they actually give the season stakes. Which, like, oh, yeah. doesn't... Because since Power Rangers is uh, afraid... Not, I don't want to say afraid, but, like doesn't really kill off rangers that often yeah that it just sort of like when it happens it's kind of like a big oh shit moment yeah it really is but done talking about kind of steel and all that mm-hmm. we can we, we can move on to our mentors and allies and we start out we talked a little bit of commander shaw we can go in a little bit more detail with her uh she's she's, she's mostly like a lot of her stuff comes from balancing being that mom and the commander that we went off or like earlier and, like, also, she's very, we have food at home. Oh, 100%. Like, she's, like, I won't, she's very no-nonsense in that regard. Yeah. Like, she's not really going to, like, you know, she does, feels like an actual military commander. Um, So, like, basically, she really only interferes in a situation when, um, when something is really bad. Or coming to her directly yeah, is, like, when something is really bad. Yeah, that's the thing I definitely notice is they actually use kind of a chain of command. It's like, once it goes to Shaw, it's like, yeah, shit's fucked. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it gives her also kind of like, not so much the micromanaging of that role, but also like, 
it feel you know it feels definitely like there's a there's a gravity to her role being there like okay the people on the the bridge can rely to the, like relay information to the rangers you know nate runs the whole science department like if, if you know and devin of course runs uh helps run the team so if anything kind of happens to where something fails on that end and she comes in then it's like oh okay then stuff's really serious now yeah for sure um and, like, I kind of mentioned it before that a lot of her, like, relationship with Ravi is kind of, like, she kind of takes a little bit of a step back. Yeah. Because, again, I guess she doesn't want to just be seen as, like, I don't think either of them want to be just as, like, oh, well, he's only here because, like, he's my son. Though yeah. I do love I the moments I... where, like, she it does she does remind you, like, yes, I, he is my son. Um, Like, yeah. See, like, because that was, like, one of the first episodes, like, he kind of disparages zoe a little bit for like being like a lot like working in laundry and she goes like well what would you know about that you've never done laundry in your life <laughs> yeah i just basically like burn oh mom burn mom is like you've never done laundry ever what the fuck <laughs> yeah I mean, and she, uh, there's no recovery from that at all yeah and that's how you found out that's that's his mom too yeah uh but yeah it's it's you know she's definitely trying to, to balance that and and the characterization i definitely think their relationship got better because at the end of the series she's no longer i think like in charge of that station or she may have retired she because she's just enjoying time painting with her son and shit she mentions you know? being off duty so she might be like taking a little bit of a step back in her role yeah, so or, like if she's not completely retired she's not as much like directly involved has, like, with everything <laughs> Or she, like, has that admiral position. Oh, yeah, so she could actually take time off. <laughs> you know, she she has, like, the, the, like, okay, you've done so much, uh, so now you have, like, the, 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 like, work from home, or, like, you're the, you're high, high chain of command, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, Devin's commander now, yeah. so, you know. So, at least that's what I, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, she's she's definitely way high up on that chain now. Yeah, so, so in any, yeah, in any case, she actually gets to take time off at that point. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, and you, you can definitely tell, like, she's trying, and, uh, one of the things we, we talked about, she she probably st- swaps stories with, uh, Bill. Yeah, C- Captain Bill Mitchell. We will never not say Bill. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she's definitely we got a very, too. she's very similar to uh, Bill Mitchell in that regard, Bill. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I think, again, taking the step back and also like, but having still very, very concerned for her son who is on the team. Yeah. So yeah, I could definitely see them swapping like war slash ranger stories. <laughs> It's like, this is when uh, my uh, son was evil. I, I sold him to Satan. <laughs> and just, just saw, Sean's like, wait, what? Yeah, you, you sold, what? <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Power, this is a true thing in Power Rangers, if you're just tuning into this episode. Yeah, and like, I do like the fact that like, canonically, like, uh, George was the one who pointed this out to us. It's like, canonically, yeah, like, she lived in Briarwood before she lived in Coral Harbor. And, like, I assume it was, like, I don't know if, like, Grid Battle Force existed in, Cor- like, in Briarwood. But, like, they, like, she and Ravi are saved from that burning building in in that one episode. Yeah, of uh, Hyperforce. Yeah. 
Moving on, we have, uh, speaking of Nepo babies, <laughs> we have uh, Ben and Betty Burke. Oh, yeah. So Ben and Betty are kind of like, they're, like, they kind of initially established them as grid battle for security, but they kind of just do a little bit of everything around there. <laughs> Yeah, and they're a little inept about what they were doing. Yeah, like, I think, bless them, they try. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of them. They try very hard, and they're kind of the, like, catch-all people, but it mostly blows up in their face. Yeah, and, like, I think that's part of what succeeds with them, is that, like, okay, so they are ostensibly the comedy, like, the comedy relief duo of the season. Yeah. Um, which is very much a thing that Power Rangers does, where, like, they will have like a comedy relief character or like um you know like boom in spd or um or they'll have a duo like victor vincent and monty and ninja steel and um, <laughs> let's take the bad example of a duo yeah so when they do these comedy duos they there have been times that they just try to make them a new bulk and skull and it kind of just fails miserably it's it's very much that like this succeeded before mm-hmm. and we're gonna ignore everything that tells you why it succeeded and just assume that kids loved a comedy duo. Yeah, because like at least it like to say like something about samurai and positive, it's like, yeah, obviously they tried to do the bulk and skull thing with bulk and with bulk himself and skull's child. But like and no, I feel like it at least acknowledged the character growth that like bulk went through. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's just like Bulk's just earnest as hell, and Spike seems like he has the same earnestness as his dad. Yeah, and he clearly loves his know, uncle. Spike also has the dumb of ass aspect of his father, and Bulk's still dumb of ass too. Yeah, so like <laughs> you just have these two earnest dumbasses, and like yeah. especially because like clearly like um, Spike loves like his uncle, so like he wants to do right by his uncle as well. Yeah. But, like, yeah, especially with, like, Victor and Monty, and I just, like, I, I really don't want to hype on fucking Ninja Steel longer than I than I should. But, like, mm-hmm. a part of the reason Victor and Monty didn't work is that they're trying to do, like, season one Bulk and Skull without, like, the same charm that Bulk and Skull had. Like, obviously, yeah, I hated Bulk and Skull in season one, but, like, when season two going forward, they at least gave them a little bit more character that... Yeah, they're still like dumbasses. They're like bad things happen to them by their because of their own ineptitude. But like, at least as they grow as characters, you get to like love and understand them a little bit more. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like the failure I've always felt when they would try to copy that. It's like, yeah, season one, Bulk and Skull, like it's almost annoying, kind of. And then once they start realizing, like, and they actually tap into these them as characters and keep them around, it's like, yeah, the pe- reason why people love Bulk and Skull is, like, they were the characters that stuck around until, like, in space. Yeah, and even, like, Bulk stuck around for Lost Galaxy. Like, even though he's not in that season that much, but, like, he's still around. He's still, yeah, yeah. Jason had to go get his, uh, you know, master's in art. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, because basically it's not, like, in those cases, it's not even that they just don't give them time to grow, it's just that they didn't give them any other character aspect besides, oh, well, they're just dumbass bullies. And so where we, we, we like, and so when Ben and Betty kind of came, it's like you have 
these very earnest, like, young adults. I want to say probably, you know, like, they're probably 18. They seem very young. Yeah, like, this is kind of, like, their first foray into, like, the real world in a, in a way. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, obviously their father is the general of Grid Battle Force, so, like, okay, they probably have gotten their jobs because because of that. Because I don't know why Grid Battle Force would hire them in any other, <laughs> any yeah, other way. Yeah, they, they were, I'm guessing they're, like, they want to go do what dad did. And dad's like, well, I have the pull and string to go do that stuff. And I also think that maybe, like, fuel into their earnestness of doing things is just like, yeah we want to prove that we deserve to be here yeah it's like when we want to we want to make our dad proud and we want to like prove that we are you know useful to grid battle force in this regard yeah and so well one the actors are great Uh, at comedy yeah especially like christina ho as betty like she is just fully throwing herself into the physical comedy of the role oh yeah like She's amazing. Yeah, and that's not to say uh, uh, Cosmo Flores was not, like, participating as well, because he's clearly also, like, having a great time, and, like, he gets involved in in that physical comedy as well, but, like, he's, the best way to put it, he's sort of the straight man to Betty, but not really, because they're both, like, earnestly inept. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like, okay, so how I am going to describe this is, like, Betty has ADHD mm-hmm. and Ben has autism and anxiety. Yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> and so you basically have like the one person that is just going a million miles an hour and then you have the one that's just like, "Oh, I don't know about that." <laughs> and it like it, they just play off of each other perfectly. Like, yeah. I fully so- buy the two of them as siblings. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they they definitely are siblings. And yeah, it's like that's that's kind of like the big thing about their characters is oh, finally a comedy duo that's actually like funny and you don't roll their eyes when you see them on screen. You're like, "Oh, what's Ben and Betty?" Like, I actually felt bad for them. I wanted them to succeed sometimes. Yeah, it's like, "Oh no." It's like there'd be multiple times where something happens and I'm just like, "Oh no. Oh no." <laughs> and just like throw them a bone, please. Yeah, but even like but clearly, like, I think their work is valued at uh, Grid Battle Force because they they show that they're very clearly and utterly loyal to Grid Battle Force. And, like, they step up and do whatever needs to be done of them. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, we're the we're the jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, they get a, like, medal of commendation and, like, or so the medal of valor or something like that at the, like, end of season one. Yeah, because they fixed the because Nate had to go through the transport and they fixed it. Yeah, and then like they fixed the transporter, and then like at the end of season two, uh, they have a moment with, um, with Doctor K, where like she's like I think she kind of when she sees them initially, she's just like, uh, she wasn't really quite. I think she wasn't quite sure how to process them, but I think she had an idea, and like I'm, I'm taking some talking points here from from George, so. Um, she gives them a, she kind of gives them a little bit of a test where yeah. she tells them to go get these things for her for a certain fuel and the ingredients she gives them are clearly tea. Yeah, it's like, here's, you know, I need, um, glucose and you're like, okay, that's sugar. I think she said I sucrose, need, but yeah. Sucrose, yeah. 
Um, I need um, water at exactly 100 degrees uh, Celsius. And I'm like, oh, this is tea, isn't it? And she holds up a bag of tea. Yeah. Uh, to translate, by the way, it's about uh, 210 degrees Fahrenheit. So she's doing an herbal tea. Yeah. So she's clearly asking them to, like, go get her tea with sugar. But she's saying it in such a science way that, like, you know, she's not really certain how they're going to, like, interpret that. But she's not talking down to them. It doesn't appear. She's like, she's even giving them exact measurements of how much sugar she wants. Yeah. And the, and the water amount and everything. Yeah, and at the end of the episode, they come back, and, like, I, it's clear that she's kind of giving them something to be a little bit busy, but, like, she, they come back with exactly what she asked for, and she's just like, thank you, and then she drinks the tea, and they're, like, aghast at first, because they weren't really certain what the, she, that you made, and she looks at them and goes, you can be, like, you can come in my lab anytime. It's like, you, you clearly can can do stuff for me. And yeah, what George kind of pointed out, it's like very much like, you're like Jim and Gemma. Yeah, I think, and I think she sees that, and that's why she kind of, like, does that to see if, like, it, it, I think she does that to see if her, like, a, a hypothesis about them is correct. Yeah, and turns out, yes. That is the crossover we need as Ben and Betty meeting Jim and Gemma, but also, I don't know if we really need those <laughs> sets of twins to meet, because I'm pretty sure something will explode. Yeah, like... I, who, like, I feel like especially, like, Gemma and Betty. <laughs> like, Betty was just gonna really get along with him, and Ben's gonna be like, oh my god! It's like, Ben's like, no, come back! <laughs> no, the explosion! <laughs> but then gets into it, you know? Oh, but I, I would, I would want to see it, but also I'm a little terrified of seeing it. There's a one shot for Boom Studios. <laughs> oh yeah, do it like the backups for um, the the ongoing misadventures of Bulk and Skull or something like that. Yeah. Now yeah, I was about to say, let's uh, move on to our B spots. Yeah, so we're kind of grouping all the B spots together, but we have three three of the B spots, which are Cruz, Smash, and Jax. Um, so they're kind of created to be like assistant slash like um inner interfacing with like the the zords and stuff yeah uh they had a more prominent role go busters is one of the few sentais i've watched all the way through number one mm-hmm. but number two it's been a decade ago but i definitely remember like the 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 buddy roids mm-hmm. if you hear what you call them the buddy roids because that's what they were called uh had a much more prominent role in beast morphers but uh in go busters and they kind of have a similar role here but they kind of just didn't do much with them but yeah it's pretty much we're your assistants. We're here to help you with power ups and shit, and we also help you pilot your fucking zords. So. Yeah, and like they they do really quickly to make them like utterly lovable. Oh yeah, and like there's kind of an episode where like it's the ultimate lesson is to kind of just you know trust your friends and treat them well, <laughs> and you know also give people a chance because I, I think that whole episode was about like. You know, getting used to them, yeah. and you know the the but uh, the B spots were trying to throw a party, and were very scrolly about what they were doing. And of course, Devin and Robbie, it's like, God, why didn't Smash and Cruz do what we asked them to do? Yeah, and then like, so Cruz and uh, Smash lose their memories. Yeah, like this weird thing, and they and you know, and it's like, oh, they have to go back to factory setting. Yeah, and like, so they act like so initially like. Devin and Ravi are all about this, and then they realize, like, oh, because it was like, I forget what happened with Cruz. I think it was like, 
a speed thing or something? Or like, uh, no, it was a shortcut. Turns, yeah, it was a shortcut that Devin had wanted and scouted out. But, uh, you know, Cruz didn't kind of, like, Cruz already took it. And, I, you know, Devin didn't get to hear the explanation. Hey, it's really rough. We shouldn't go this yeah. way. Yeah. And they go that way, and he gets absolutely covered in mud. And then... And he's like, why did you do this? Because you asked me to. Yeah. And then, like... And Smash had, like, been holding back in, like, session... Like, basically, like, sparring sessions with Ravi. And it was pissing Ravi off. And then, so he's like, don't hold anything back. And then uh, Smash just kicks his ass. (laughs) Yeah. It's like... Or it it just basically, like, almost, I think, sends him through a wall or something. Like, ah, you're really strong. Like... But you asked me not to hold back, and they're like, oh, we miss, we miss them. And then that's when they kind of find out through, I think, Jack's like, yeah, we were planning a party, and then you guys kind of badmouthed us, and we're bummed. Yeah, and like, it was that episode, I'm just like, how dare you make the Beast Bots cry? <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're just, they're just trying to help. They're just, they're, they're good kids. They're good babies. <laughs> and they were doing it with Ben and Betty, too. Oh, so yeah. It's like... So I was like, why are you goofing off of Ben and Betty? It's like, because we were, we were making a party to make you guys feel better. Oh. And it's just like, oh, uh, basically any time it seemed like they were going to get mad at the Beast Bots. I'm like, don't make me go through this again. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they have like that episode where like, you know, Devin is so convinced to give Cruz like a chance to get on the field. Yeah. Because it's like, Cruz just happens to be a really good shot. And then like, you know, Nate's like, hey, like, we really should let Cruz train a lot more before he goes out in the field. And it's like, oh, but he's a good shot. It's okay. And ends up getting with Cruz getting eaten, I guess. Digitized, eaten. I don't know. He gets absorbed. The guy has Kirby powers, but from, like, cell phones. Yeah. And then basically it's, like, it's a whole, like, excuse to introduce, like, their power-ups where basically they, like, combine with the B-spots to, like, get extra, like get an extra power up but like yeah so they have to like basically kidnap Cruz back and then just be like hey you know i i was wrong to like not you know basically like you did need a little bit more field experience but you know i forget what the, like ultimately like devin said about that but i think it was learning that like hey maybe i, I threw you in before you were really ready and then like there's also another episode at the end where like blaze is like it seems like he's disparaging Cruz. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's like a big thing of Cruz is just like self-doubt bot or like disparaging him and the one episode basically with their power-ups is that was how they got Cruz back was to redigitize him mm-hmm. and like throw him and basically like well you can digitize him and download him as part of your, your body now we can do it with uh with the others so that's how they got him back but yeah the one last episode where Cruz is like uh you know i'm not sure like this is a good idea Devin and it's like don't listen to your idiot robot I'm like do you guys not recognize this is not Blaze that you know it's like yeah this is, it's like Devin that is not your beautiful boyfriend <laughs> this, this isn't your beautiful house yeah. So. <laughs> yeah but yeah that was that's like definitely a thing with Cruz is that he's like self doubt he has a little bit like ADHD I notice because uh-huh. it's like he'll just forget things like oh yeah his whole like thing is he forgets things and he's like He's cheetah-based. Um, also played by uh, Kelson Henderson. So we have our Kelson Henderson character. Yay! It's like, it, it truly is just not Power Rangers without Kelson Henderson at this point. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, always hype, always hype to hear his voice or see him, so, you know. Um, 
and he does also become a cool bike so so yeah that's uh they did uh i'm just reminded because they did give everyone like civilian powers but barely use them uh and everything but i remember because he's cheetah based Devin has a whole thing where he freezes when he sees a dog oh yeah it's so it's like that whole thing is so weird like it doesn't yeah, come it up much up after it's... that first episode but like it'll come up at like certain times just this randomly because i get that was something they did more in go busters were these things and because they were things in go busters they had to incorporate them but yeah that was like yep because he's you know he's you know part of like devin's whole cheetah thing so devin is afraid of dogs <laughs> at least it wasn't chickens yeah that would have been even weirder uh, if they kept the chickens the, the chickens in yeah and uh yeah smash is like he's a gorilla and um my thing is look at what you did you gave this perfectly good beast butt anxiety <laughs> yeah pretty much like he's his entire thing is that he's just you know, he's got a little bit of anxiety and he worries a lot about Ravi and wants to make sure that he's taken care of. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, they're, you know, gorillas, like, Ravi has the strength of a gorilla. Yeah, the strength of a gorilla, but also he gets overheated really quickly. <laughs> quickly, and they, uh, they only brought up the one plot point once where, like, Ruji would, when he would overheat for too long, he would go into basically, like, a dark Ruji and go on a killing spree no not like a complete killing spree but like you know close enough just be an unstoppable terminator and they would have to bring him back so and then we have Jax, who is a jackrabbit and the best way we could describe him is what if they made eddie kingston a beast bomb? <laughs> yeah like he's got a he's kind of got a new york accent <laughs> yeah and he's just like he, he definitely has the attitude of like being willing to fight things that are way larger than him gruff too yeah he's a little gruff but like he, he very clearly cares about zoe and the rest of the team and like that episode again the episode that we were talking about at the top of this talking point where like they you know they're kind of shit talking the beast bots and like he catches zoe shit talking about him because like she asked him to like charge her like tablet yeah and like she thinks that Jax didn't do it, and, like, she's complaining about him. He comes in, he's like, I heard what you said, and you're just like, baby, no! And he's like, your tablet's right here! It's like, you put your coat over it! I was like, oh my you god! You put your coat over it! Yeah, he just means, like, okay, so you put your coat over your tablet. It's like, oh, just, yeah, I was just like, yeah, the Eddie Kingston, maybe that's why I just, like, imprinted on, like, fucking, um, Jax so hard. Eddie Kingston. <laughs> let jack say swear words yeah let, let jack say fuck <laughs> yeah let jack say fuck he's basically like gruff uh eddie kingston <laughs> that's a jackrabbit robot and again because of the whole like ja the, they are jackrabbit things uh so he gets like jumping abilities yeah that they barely use and she has to eat carrots to keep her around yeah <laughs> but but yes uh i eventually want to make a fan cam to jacks with uh it's the the like I forget the actual name of the, like, Eddie Kingston's intro, but it's like, I think it's cold outside. Yeah, it's like, the world is cold, so bundle up. Bundle up. <laughs> Which I think- You start at me better knuckle up, it's like your scene is to this jackrabbit robot. I think that was actually something he said to Sami Zayn, like, in their indie careers. <laughs> I know, that's why I'm like, isn't that what he said? This, like, Sami Zayn's like, oh, the world's wonderful, or something, and he's just like, yeah, well, it's also cold, so you better bundle, like, bundle up. <laughs> 
like that's like one of my favorite bits of like wrestling lore, honestly. <laughs> it's like like zip up your coat then. <laughs> you know, um but yeah, it's like Jax is just gonna team up with like eventually John Moxley of this universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I don't I don't even want to know what like Mox would be like in a Power Rangers setting. <laughs> He'd be a weird mentor. Oh, yeah. Like, I think he'd be, like, yeah. RJ-level mentor, I think. He's like, hey, here's your powers. <laughs> I learned it from this jackrabbit robot. <laughs> I'm also just thinking of, like, Jack's tripping over, like, you know, a, a Sammy Guevara or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, so, yeah, those are the, those are the B spots. Um, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no. So let's move on to, uh, Mayor Adam Daniels, who we've talked about a little bit, but, like, let's really kind of dive into him here. So as you noted, he is a serious dad man. He is, he is dead serious, son. So, yeah. You need to, you need to be better at life, son. I'm trying to teach you that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's very him. But, uh, what I pointed out is, like, he's definitely that mr collins role but like able to actually show actual love towards his son even though he doesn't know how to connect to his son i like mr collins is like i feel depressed i don't know how to connect to Wes, but i have a lot of money so what the fuck am i supposed to do it's like yeah pretty much um yeah i think like a lot of like how he acts towards devon is very much like uh, not to turn into an episode of We Can Do Hard Things here, but he's like, he's loving Devin in the only way he really knows how to love Devin. Yeah. Which is that, like, he very clearly loves and cares about Devin, especially since mom is out of the picture. And, like, he just wants to see Devin live up to his full potential. Yeah. And, like, as, like, especially for that first season, he feels like Devin is wasting his potential when it's like Devin, he just can't see what Devin actually has to be doing with his time <laughs> yeah it's like god you know i it, it, even toss was like you know you come home you're full of bruises what's going on here you know he thinks he's he thinks Devin is in some sort of fight club <laughs> like sir tone it down you're in power Rangers. yeah it's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he, he's actually like definitely worried about Devin, you know and you know and so and it's not, I, de- I do like, it's also not like, you're ruining my career as mayor. It's more of like, no, I want you to see you going somewhere in life. Yeah. Again, like, Mr. Collins was like, uh, Wes, you're ruining the whole thing with Biolabs right now. Yeah. And then, like, but the weird thing that I had a moment of, like, it's like at the end of season one, where, like, they have to evacuate after an attack from Evox. Or I think it might have been Scrozzle and Blaze and Roxy, but still, ultimately Evox. And they have to evacuate. And, like, he, like, Mayor Daniels yells at everybody to evacuate. And, like, Devin does, like, it appears that Devin does so. He has to, like, run off to go morph. And he's just like, how dare you run away from this situation? I'm like, you just told everybody to evacuate. It's like, you left this old lady helpless. And it's like, dude, you were the one who helped the old lady. It's like, you're the one who told everybody to scramble. Yeah. So, like, why like he, are you so upset about Devin doing that? Like, scrambling. He was like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like he might, it's like, even if Devin wasn't a ranger, he might not have seen that old lady. Yeah. It, you know, and, and, 
And of course, this whole changes, and he's just, it kind of definitely feels like shit when he, you know, he's, you know, another, it was, you know, the same attack, no, it was another attack, and he, you know, he sees what happens, and he, you know, he watches the Red Ranger demorph, it's Devin, and all of a sudden, oh, oh, Devin's in the other dimension now, and I was an asshole to him. It's like, yeah, so, like, I think he, it, it makes him make this decision about that he's going to help Grid Battleforce with saving Devin. Yeah, and, you know, it's just like, Oh hey, you know I forget why he went into the into it, but I think it had to do with like he wasn't a ranger, and he's like, "I'll fucking." He's basically like, "I'll go in and and go after my son. Make sure you guys can come back." Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he was basically gun ho about getting Devin back. And when he finally meets up with Devin, you know they definitely have this big heart to heart about it and everything, and. You know, it's like, it, it's definitely very heartwarming, especially like, you know, you finally get to see your son and the potential he, like, what your son was trying to show you for ages, and you finally get to see that potential. Boy, another gay metaphor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they, uh, you know, that one is a little bit less, like, obvious than the painting thing, but like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and so he's able to help the Rangers, like, get everything back, you know, get 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 that strike against Evox. But unfortunately, you know, because he was so concerned about Devin coming back through that hole, uh, he gets blasted with that toxic gas that had Evox in and gets, he gets corrupted. And even, and so the second season is you're dealing with a corrupted Mayor Daniels who's just being a puppet. A meat puppet, if you yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, thankfully he does get better, and I, like, they didn't drag it out for as long as I thought they were going to. Yeah, I thought that was gonna be, like, a series finale thing. It's like, no, they're actually gonna do, like, a mid-season thing, and I I was very thankful for it. Yeah, I think it worked out way better in the long run. And, uh, like, he kinda, like, I don't wanna say he drops off as a character after that, but, like, you know, after that point, it's like, he doesn't really involve as much in the plot once they figure out, like, oh, well, you're being possessed, so we're going to rescue you. Yeah, I think, like, the biggest thing that kind of happens is he repairs a little bit with Devin and, um, about what happened and everything, and also talks about what his experiences were, and then he comes back in the last episode mainly as, like, hey, I'm not leaving this town either. Yeah. You know, I'm sticking with Greg Battleforce, and basically, like, son, you better make it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's all we have for Mayor Daniels, so let's get on to Blaze and Roxy, which, like, we're gonna <laughs> talk about them here, and then we're gonna talk about them in Villains, so, but, yeah, for this one, you, our first, your starting point is, why is Blaze so gay? <laughs> yeah, we were just, like, kept watching, it's like, Blaze is so fucking gay! <laughs> Um, so, like, when we first meet them, they're originally going to be the Red and Yellow Rangers, but then they get corrupted by, um, Evox, and they have avatars that are made of them that are, like, basically digital, like, hard light sort of thing. They don't really explain it too well. It's hand wave Power Rangers bullshit. Yeah, and, like, when you first meet them, I think it's, like, Blaze was teaching, and then, like... He and Devin get into a sparring match or something, and it's definitely, like, this rivalry's built up there. Yeah, so, like, it's kind of, like, Blaze initially kind of comes across a little bit of an asshole in that moment. <laughs> yeah. And Roxy's like, come on, man. It's like, uh, like, it just makes it sound like this has happened, like, before. Maybe not necessarily with Devin, but definitely with, like, Blaze. Like, stop flirting with men like this. Yeah, it's like, come on, we got a job to do. <laughs> yeah. 
but he's gonna grind her like a normal person yeah <laughs> so like the real blaze and roxy end up spending most of the first season in a coma yeah which just is where the girlfriend in a coma joke comes back <laughs> yeah and um and then at the end of season one roxy's the first one to come out again because of you know, Ravi ended up being right. You know, destroying the Avatar did bring her back. And she's back. They had, like, a data issue, I think, with, um... With debt With, um... Not Demons. Blazes. So they're like, oh, fuck, is Blaze gonna die? No, that was with Roxy, which is why... Yeah, they thought Roxy was gonna die. And so that's pushed on that. So they're like, ah, oh, crap, what are we gonna do about Blaze here? So, finally, Avatar Blaze dies. And at the end of the first season, like... You know, you have Blaze coming out of the coma. And, uh, I don't know, he's a lot, uh, I will say he's kind of a lot kinder and everything after that. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely not that asshole. He's just kind of like, yo, I like having my martial arts class and like being with you guys and helping you guys out. I kept on making jokes he was dating Devin. Yeah, it's like, I still love him the last step, like, um, when the last bit where, like, he's, you know, when he's in Japan for that, like, martial arts tournament and like he video calls Devin is just like Kanichiwa Kanichiwa look I got a trophy <laughs> it's like oh you're actually kind of sweet Aww. um though uh you know he's you know uh, there's something I thought of but then then you also get the no Roxy a little bit more after that too uh before like they just kind of take them up uh, once they have the avatars return mm -hmm. they kind of take them off the scene for a little bit I think it's because it was too much makeup stuff to do. Right. And so, you know, Roxy, you kind of end up finding out, like, she comes from the Collins. Yeah, like, they don't state her last name outright, but, like, you do meet her, like, I think it was on, like, a spring break thing. She was, like, working for her aunt, who her aunt's last name is Collins. And she worked for, like, the Col like Collins industry or something like that. Yeah, she worked for, like, a big industrial company, and they had, like, a sea, uh, they had a, a pollution uh, thing happen. I forget the specifics, but basically, like, all these, sea mo all these sea creatures are sick. Yeah, pretty much. And so Roxy's like, hey, like, can you, like, use your money to help out here? Because that's, this is part of your responsibility. You caused this. And her aunt's like... Uh, no, I'm rich and an asshole. And, like, they could have been, like, sick before that happened. You can't tell. That was such a rich, like, asshole thing to say. Right. <laughs> and so Roxy's just like, well, I'm just gonna say that we got the money approved and everything. And it, it led to a whole thing where, like, the, you know, the aunt had to come to the, 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 you know, where they were and kind of leading to that. And then, of course, like, her aunt actually sees one of the sick turtles, and she's like, give all the money they need. <laughs> yeah, her her delivery on that was just wonderfully melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of see that, like, Roxy kind of does have a big heart. Um, And even at the, like, beginning, she definitely has, she's a little bit more lighthearted than Ravi. Yeah. But, you know, she's serious when she needs to be. She did have that weird, like, jealousy issue. But the most part, her and Robbie definitely, def you know, they, they love each other. And you, you mentioned she was kind of painfully straight. Yeah, like, I don't really get, uh, like, uh, this is maybe me projecting, but I really don't get any queer vibes off of her. 
I don't as much either. Like, I'm like, she, she and Ravi seem like they're the... Sh- Minus Ravi's whole thing. It's like, they seem to be the straighties. Yeah. Um, which, uh, speaking of my whole thing is like, I have determined Blaze is non-binary. And because what parent names their kids Blaze? Yeah. That is such a trans non-binary chosen name. Like, are his parents, like, fucking fighting game characters? Like... <laughs> This is our child Blaze. I'm like, you chose that name, bitch. Yeah, that is that is some like Neo in the Matrix shit, you know? Yeah, you definitely chose that fucking name, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we've yeah. talked about like good Blaze and Roxy, so let's talk about. We're going to move on to our villains now, and we're going to kind of go on like our Blaze and Roxy avatars, or Robo Blaze and Robo Roxy. Either way, they're they're villain. They're kind of our like villain duo for a good chunk of like both of the seasons. Uh, and we have to post the question: Is why is the evil Blaze gayer than the actual Blaze? I don't know how he manages it, but like, yeah, he is gay. It's like, wow, you're you're gayer than before. Uh, it's like it's just like. Not to bring up Buffy again, but it just, like, reminds me of, like, the season three episode where, like, Willow meets her vampire self from another dimension. And, like, she's, like, this is before Willow realizes she's gay, but, like, that version of Willow was also somehow gayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we feel about that. And they're very, they're basically psycho rangers, but a little bit, like... Uh, snarky they're vi- they're evil yeah and that that's basically their whole thing their whole villain duo uh they get destroyed uh, at the end of season one but they kind of come back as robots so basically what scrozzle did is that he basically creates robot bodies for them that they can keep downloading that person that that personality avatar file file on so you can keep blowing them up but they'll come back yeah which is just kind of a nightmare of itself honestly until the Roxy Avatar flew too close to the sun. Yeah. That was all of her own doing there, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and basically got perma uh, blown up. And then uh, Blaze, I felt, did more as an Avatar. I know why they used this stuff, and it had to do with Go Busters, uh, like, escape and enter stuff. Yeah. Like, you can even see on some of the, some of the scenes, you, you could see, like, the head said enter and escape. Right. So um, I get why they did this, but uh, it feels like Bla- like Blaze did more mm-hmm. in the second season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, it definitely he definitely plays into the end game, um, especially at the end, uh, where he yeah. was like impersonating the real Blaze to like sneak uh, Evox into Grid Battle Force. And he was just this whole huge asshole, and everyone's like, Blaze is acting kind of funny, but you know, man, maybe he's under the weather or something, and instead of like. No, that's obviously not Blaze. Yeah, that, that's not Blaze, guys. That's not the real Blaze. At the end of the episode, Kenichiwa, I got a trophy. Yeah, it's oh, like no. it's like y'all even knew that Blaze was supposed to be in Japan for like a fighting, like a, a karate tournament. So you know, they they were like, oh, he's you know he he gave a good excuse. So you know, but it's like you probably should have been a little bit more like mm, once he started to stop acting like Blaze. Uh-huh. And then, uh, but yeah, because we are that podcast, we are. Uh, clone fucking. Uh, <laughs> we det- 
We determined Bla- the Blaze avatar would try to fuck Blaze, but Blaze would not be into it. Yeah. And then, as we said, uh, Roxy is too painfully straight in both iterations to even an attempt to, like, fuck her clone. Yeah. yeah, Blaze would definitely try to fuck, like, Avatar Blaze would definitely try to fuck regular Blaze. Yeah. Like, hi! And it's like, ah, oh, get away from me. Yeah, uh, Blaze's, like, self-loathing is not strong enough to fuck his own clone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it's too strong Bitch. that, yeah, it's like... Uh, I forgot how that goes in the the, the poll, but <laughs> like my self hatred is that strong, I would not fuck my own clone. <laughs> I think he's more in the like oh, that seems gross. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's like incest. It's weird and bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're moving on to our our next like general character, which is Scrozzle, which we just described him as Nerd Goldar because that's what he is. He's very put upon, and he's he he very much is like the fenster, and he constructs a lot of things. But like again, he's just super put upon. Yeah, this is something you pointed out, by the way, about his name. Yeah, the name Scrozzle is just it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Like it sounds like he's like some he's got some sort of disease, or it's like a weird name for a gay hookup app. Yeah, just to kind of backpedal with that whole thing with Blaze and fighting people as a flirtation. Yeah, like, go on Scrozzle like a normal person. <laughs> and then you're just like, what the, you're just like, what the fuck is a Scrozzle? <laughs> yeah. And it just yeah, ends with somebody describing you just the most depraved sex act you've heard, like, at least this week. <laughs> yeah. He has also a very annoying voice, too, to kind of go with it. But yeah, like, Scrozzle, Scrozzle does enough to get the plot moving, especially with getting Evox, like, a body and stuff like that. But it's just kind of like, he's Nerd Goldar. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, so- that's all I really had to say about Scrozzle. So let's move on to our last villain and our big bad, Evox, or a.k.a. Vengex. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh... You know, this weird computer virus that's, like, part Viper when he comes in mm-hmm. to this world. And basically, uh, when he basically corrupts the, the morphing grid trying to morph these Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, look, I got my own Power Rangers. Haha, <laughs> bitches. Yeah, pretty much. And leaves. And through the majority of the first season, he's so desperately wanting a real body because then he can go and uh, take over the world, basically. Yeah, and so he does get one through uh he's actually a giant and then he corrupts mayor daniels but he can't stay as mayor daniels for too long he has to basically like drink more effects or pour more effects on himself yeah because he can't stand being in a human body yeah and then like and uh i think even after that he can't like he does have like a body that he can move around in like not obviously yeah. not a human body, but he has a body he can move around in. But he does not spend that much time in like our world. Yeah. Uh, when he was at when he was corrupted, Mayor Daniels. He basically used Mayor Daniels to kind of set up Morfax Daniels around the world mm-hmm. for his big thing of having to come here and pour more Morfax all over him so he can go destroy everything. Yeah. But also, he is really bad at trying to pass as a person when he's possessing Mayor Daniels. Oh, yeah, this is like, this is some great acting here. We're like, you know, you have an idea of how Mayor Daniels is mm-hmm. in the first season. And so when you start dealing with Mayor Daniels in the second season, there's they already are hinting at it at the end of the first season. 
but it's definitely a lot of a miss and also like Ah, yes, human, with human feelings. Yeah, he's acting more stilted, and, like, it just kind of reminds me of, like, the story from when, um, the movie Gemini Man was made. I never actually saw it, but, like, the story sticks out in my head, because it's obviously, like, it's, you know, it's a movie involving human cloning, and, like, older Will Smith meeting, like, his younger clone Will Smith, and, like, apparently yeah. Ang Lee had told, like, Will, when he was acting as his younger version, to act worse. Like, act like you did when you were younger, because you were worse then. And, like, uh, Will's like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, go watch. And basically, he's, like, made him go watch episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> to, like, act like he did while he was on Fresh Prince. Oh, my God. It's fucking beautiful. So, like, that's what I was trying to say when I, like, the other day when we were writing this out. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a he's doing bad acting when he's as Mayor Daniels. And, like, I don't think you quite understood what I meant, because I, I, I was just thinking of that story in my head, was, like, you know... Because I didn't know that story. Yeah, so the direction is here is that he is kind of acting like... He is acting like a bad actor. Yeah, so, like, it's basically... Yeah. It's basically that whole thing of, like, yes, we want a bad acting performance out of it, very intentionally so. Yeah, so I'm not saying that, like... Um, I, you know, I am obviously I'm not saying that like Kevin Copeland is a bad actor. He's actually a very good actor for pulling out a performance that looks that bad when he's like yeah. possessed by an evil computer virus. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically like human. I am human with human feeling. What is that? That that meme of like I am Batadook Cumberbund. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please cast me in human roles. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um. It's- so, and, like, I love the fact that, like, so this is where the whole multiverse thing really starts to come in, is that um, Devin reaches out to Dr. K to try to figure out how to separate Evox, and she basically, like, she doesn't really know what they can do, because, like, like the way something, the way it happened in, like, Corinth was very different, but then she's like, you know, I did hear something from amber beach where the ranger zeno wing uh was possessed by dark wing and they had to you know split his body this way maybe this can work out for you so i'm like so not only did you call dr k she is also aware of what was happening in the dino charge dimension yeah so like th- that was definitely a you know oh we are definitely going to acknowledge that this is a multiverse and not just we're going to throw this at the end of our like you know, 25th anniversary special that is mostly just about Tommy anyway. So, like, forget that shit. Yeah. So, yeah, they actually, and they were able to separate Vengex. And like you said, Vengex isn't totally the same. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then we ended up, speaking of crossers, we ended up finding out, again, like, uh, Evox was Vengex. That was the, they actually concluded the cliffhanger from RPM. Yeah, which was just like one of those things. I never expected that to come back. I just always thought that was just going to be kind of like a dangling thread. <laughs> it snatched our wings. Yeah, totally. Like, it's just like Katya just being like, snatched. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and it's like, he came back and, um, Thank God he's, like, dead permanently now, but uh, one of the things they noticed, mm-hmm. uh, again, like, with the human stuff, is they noticed, like, he can't stand being human, so let's just, like, throw be- humanity at him. Oh, pretty much, yeah. And that's how they destroyed him. And, uh, yeah, thank God. I don't think we have to deal with Vengex for a while. 
I hope. Yeah, I mean, we say that now, and then, like, he'll come back in, like, Cosmic Fury or something. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck this bitch. Oh, man. Okay, well, that's kind of it for our main characters we want to talk about. So we're going to move on to our honorable mentions. Uh, first being General Burke, who we talked about briefly with Ben and Betty. And, like, he's very much obviously Ben and Betty's father. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, it's one of those things that's like, how are you in charge? But then you realize he's probably, like, really smart, but really awkward or something. Yeah, he's kind of a goofball in that regard. <laughs> He's definitely uh, been in Betty's father, as we pointed out. Like, sometimes he'll even get involved with their shenanigans. Yeah, you know? like the, the um, with the tuxedo on ice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have Muriel Reeves, who is Zoe's mother. Zoe's mother comes off a little bit, but, like, kind of not enough to do, like, a full character discussion. But we we did love what we saw of Zoe's mother, who's, like, a... a she's not only, like, an on-scene reporter, but she's also, like... She'll do, like, reporting the news on air. Yeah, so she is, yeah, so she's a news reporter, and, like, kind of her biggest episode, well, her two biggest episodes are when the Morphex bikes happen. Like, she and her, like, I forget the name of the, the cameraman she works with, like, um, yeah. but, like, her and her cameraman capture footage of the Rangers on Morphex bikes, and it makes everybody in Coral Harbor just be like, oh, those Morphex bikes are really cool! Because she runs, like she runs a news story on it. Yeah, and then um, and there's another episode where she's supposed to interview this movie star uh, from the movie that actually Zoe and Nate went to go see. So continuity there. So she's supposed yeah. to interview this movie star, but the ends up being can't like the interview ends up being canceled. And while her cameraman's camera is running. Uh, they get footage of the Power Rangers morphing. Now, she doesn't actually get to yeah. see this footage because, like, it's on a corrupted disc, but they know that it's, like, on a corrupted memory card, rather. So they yeah. know that it's on there, but it's corrupted, but they're going to, like, uncorrupt, like, we're basically going to repair it so it actually works and that everybody gets to see who the Power Rangers are in real time. And so Zoe has to go and convince her, hey, you know, don't run this footage. I think it would be a really bad idea for the Power Rangers and it's also just, like, eventually, like, she's convinced that, hey, you know, this could be a really bad thing, especially if, like, the everybody knows who the Power Rangers' identities are. Um, Kind of would mess with their life, so she just decides on air to break the memory card and not air the footage. Yeah. Which I'm also just, like, okay, I work at a news station, so I'm just, like... Why would this even be a discussion in the first place unless, like, your station manager's into schlock? Yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's just like, I, you know, I don't know if you necessarily, like, you necessarily want to run that. It's footage. one of those yeah. moments where, like, your job took the dramatic tension out. Yeah, like, a little bit. Yeah. And I meant to ask, like, one of, like, the people I know at my job who works in the news department, like, hey, but it, I just felt too awkward asking a fucking Power Rangers question. <laughs> I do a Power Rangers podcast, and uh, can you answer the journalistic ethics of like exposing the <laughs> exposing the freaking um or the broadcast journalism ethics of exposing the identities of the Power Rangers on air? And then the the person would reply with Power Rangers is still on air. Oh, I'm sure I would have gotten that response. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then we have Megan. We we mentioned gate like gate gatekeep girl boss. Gaslight like, gatekeep beginning. girl boss, the character because like okay, so Megan really only shows up in two episodes. 
the first episode, like, she's basically gunning for a job to be Nate's lab assistant. And, like, well, not, uh, it's like, she's gunning for a job to be Nate's lab assistant because she wants to run the lab. Yeah. So, like, she blackmails Zoe because Zoe is helping him, trying to pick... Successor. Yeah. Yeah. So, or, or an assistant, sorry. Yeah, so she's trying to, so she's helping him in, in the interview process. And, she's, like, they interview Megan, and Megan kind of is not, doesn't really come across too great in the interview. And so, like, she decides when she sees Nate and Zoe out at the movies, and she automatically is like, are they dating? They should be dating. They're rangers. Because everybody in Grid Battle Force knows that they're rangers, but they don't tell anybody else in the public. Um, mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, I'm going to take video of this and I'm going to blackmail Zoe to get a job, which she does. And Zoe having anxiety is like, oh, no. And um, and then when she is Nate's lab assistant, she sabotages like one of his, in- his inventions. Yeah. And it's basically just like, well, clearly Nate's not suited for the job. I should run the lab, which thankfully Commander Shaw is just like, that's bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I think she, the way she bombed the interview was she was definitely showing too ambitious. Yeah, and like, so basically she she flew too close to the sun with her ambition. <laughs> yeah, girl boss too close to the sun. Yeah, girl, I think I didn't say that. She girl boss too close to the sun. You know, like peanut hamper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, okay. And, Megan is peanut hamper. Yeah, but in the, like, she literally, I think that also, like, colored when she showed up again for a second time, because she helped create the, um, uh, the king, like, the- Lion thing. Yeah, the the king beast, like, um, zord, or whatever it was, or the beast ex-zord. Yeah. But either way, it was, like, a, an automated zord that, um, that General Burke had commissioned, like, to try to help the rangers, like- with their their workload which he didn't like con- consult commander shaw about it and then hired yeah, megan he just, without he, like consulting anybody about it and uh but also it was because mayor daniels asked it to be on the down low oh that's it yeah so like yeah evil male daniels at that time was like oh, i can't keep this on the down low yeah you know? yeah so like so he could you know corrupt the damn thing and make it go all over the place yeah so initially we're just like oh well you know she's about to you know, she's actually secretly evil, and she's going to be secretly evil to the rangers. But actually, no, she shows genuine remorse and tries to help the rangers, like, save the day. Yeah, like, Nate just wants nothing to do with her at first, which is understandable. She tried to take your job, and even Zoe at first, and eventually, like, she gets through Zoe. And it's like, no, I'm trying to help. Like, the only reason why I'm butting heads against Nate is because I know Nate doesn't, his plan's not going to work, because... I know how this thing works. And so he's like, okay, let, you know, let's go clear this up. So yeah, it's like she generally shows remorse. And I think she shows up, I think, at the last episode as, I'm staying behind, obviously. Yeah, and then they actually make a reference to her in the episode where you think that Nate's parent, like, he's that Nate's gonna go with his parents to Costa Rica. Um, yeah. Because they're just like, well, maybe we can get Megan to help in the lab. So yeah. it's very clear that she stuck around or could battle force in that regard. Uh, the other way you had the Dino Church team show up, but like not in like a very meaningful way to kind of talk about them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's always just nice to see the Dino Charge Rangers, though. It was hilarious that like since um, Shelby and Riley's actors. Because uh, they couldn't be there. Yeah, they couldn't be there. And so like the, they did voice them their characters. They just, you know, it's just kind of hilarious that they'll pop in fully morphed. 
Yeah, we also laughed at Keeper, um, because it's like, oh, this ship blew up. It's probably Keeper's fault. And then Keeper showed up. I'm like, we were just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Keeper. So basically, anytime, like, something blows up inadvertently in Power Rangers, we just blame it on Keeper. And there's a possibility, there's a 25% chance now that we'll be right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, there's downcharge around, stuff around. It was probably actually Keeper's. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Keeper. Uh, because of all the dinosaur cool stuff, uh, we 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 had wire fraud Papa John show up. <laughs> yeah, which is just like they hyped up Jason showing up or Austin St. John as Jason showing up so much, and he barely does anything. <laughs> it's just he he does a weird voice, and it, to the point I thought he was dubbed over. Uh huh. He has a bad wig. Yeah, he's, and he's just there. Yeah, so like the Dino Charge team does more, honestly. And, like, there's a whole thing where they call in the other dino teams, so, but, like, you don't actually get to see any of them. They're all morphed, so it's just like, oh, it's, there's the Dino Thunder team, but we're not going to talk about them. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, we already talked a little bit about Dr. K showing up, but it was nice to see her coming as a kind of a steady ally. Yeah, because, like, I love how, like, she kind of reacts, like... I love kind of, one, it was weird to kind of fully see, like, Olivia Tennant as, like, an adult. Yeah. Not to say that she wasn't a child when she worked on, like, even though she was still pretty young when she worked on RPM. She was, like, 17, 18. Yeah, and it very clearly showed because she still had a lot of baby fat in her face, which is not to say that, like, you know, that's not a dig at her weight. It's just that, you know, when you are a younger person, like, sometimes you still have, like, a little bit of like fat in your cheeks that doesn't really quite fully melt away until you're 25. Yeah. So like, you know, she looked very young then. So it's like one, it's like, Oh my God. Right. She would be kind of more of an adult now. And then yeah. like, um, I love the fact that you know, she's again, once again, very no nonsense. Um, obviously she's very sympathetic to Nate and like, is pretty much the only person who can uh, in the entire multiverse who can really understand what what he's going through. But like she's she's a little bit no nonsense with him when he's kind of being down on himself. She's just like, "Well, I'm just going to sit here until you stop feeling sorry for yourself and realize that like you have work to do." <laughs> yeah, like, okay, well, I'm here when you are ready. Yeah, pretty Mr. much. Pouty. But like she doesn't she delivers it in such that no nonsense Dr. K way that you know that she know that she cares about Nate and she knows she's there to support Nate, but she's also not really going to put up with his like sad sack like, oh no, I've ruined the world. This is all my fault. Because like, she's like, she's, I've been through this. Like, <laughs> I just wanted to go outside, you know? Yeah. Um, always got to mention, uh, speaking of people that show up, always got to mention James Galen showing up. He did as Colonel Truman at the very end. Yeah, I was like, oh my it's james galen like <laughs> i was just like so surprised to see him and then like I, at this point i wanted to make the joke it's like so does that technically make ty west x like a power rangers movie because james galen is like the sheriff in that <laughs> but, it needs kelson Hend- uh kelson henderson in it though too no he's not so okay yeah but like it's also just a thing where like this happens a lot because more movies like especially in the past like couple of years like a lot of movies want to go film in New Zealand because one, it's very cheap. And yeah. two, um, you know, they had very strict COVID laws. 
So you have this tendency where they'll go film stuff in New Zealand and like you have these actors that will show up that are New Zealand actors and then you fucking see them on Power Rangers. Like, yeah, there's like five actors in Megan that were in Power Rangers. <laughs> like, well, there's an old lady who's like um, Allison Williams's neighbor that's like she was Boom's mom. <laughs> fucking love this. The true, the true thing we gotta watch is Megan soon. Yeah, so. at some point, I'm, I'm, I am, I am, I, I, I am campaigning to have us do an episode about Megan for like Halloween. Not this year. We have plans for this year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. You don't have to campaign that hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Megan uh, rules is basically course, the lesson there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, the Dino Charge villains. We just want to mention them briefly because, God, they're so colorful and beautiful. Yeah. So, like, we, we just love the fact that they keep bringing back the Dino Charge villains because they're just so fun. And, like, I made the joke that, like, uh, Curio is Poissandra's gay best friend. And then you were just like, oh, so... Are we Poissandra and Curio? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I just, I, I did love the bit when Sledge came back and he's like, ah, oh, it's a bomb. Oh, wait, I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. I was just like, I will not harp on Ninja Steel anymore, but I'm just going to say they were the more interesting villains to keep bringing back. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they even brought him back in Ninja Steel. They're like, we need better villains. Yeah, and... Uh, like I, that's the reason I kind of like the last Christmas episode of Ninja Steel is because of Poissandra. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I I say it's kind of like I can't fully like the episode because it's bad. <laughs> uh, a little transition in odds and ends. I kind of like that this year with the Christmas episode and all that. They actually like gave them like an episode to do mm-hmm. instead of just being like it's a clip show. Yeah, though like, like oh yeah. we're. We're going to actually have an episode episode. Yeah, which I think helps because, like, especially, like, some of the... The last time I think we had, like, episode episodes was, like, I think a couple of the, like, holiday specials for Dino Charge were like that. But then they just went back to the, we're going to do the Halloween, like, council or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, And also, there was kind of an echo back uh, in, in the Christmas special for Beast Morphers. Where, you know, the rangers had something from the beast spots, and also the beast spots had to, like, save the day. Yeah. And at the end, it's like, you've been working so hard, so uh, we actually arranged a trip for you. Yeah, which was really nice, and I, again, but that also worried me. It's like, oh my god, are you gonna leave out the beast spots on Christmas? <laughs> and I'm going to back of the head, it's like, mm, they're, they're taking a call from somebody. Is that Santa? Yeah, and then it's like, yeah. It's, it's Santa, and not your scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they were broadcasting pretty hard at some point that they that Santa was gonna come get involved, so, because it's, it's Power yeah. Rangers on Christmas. Of course, they're gonna bring in the ultimate Power Ranger, Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> weird things about power rangers santa claus is a power ranger yep. <laughs> that's how i that's how i can do this shit yeah uh but yeah our our big first actual odds and ends is uh the theme song being eight minutes into the cold opening just kept throwing us off. yeah so this was a constant thing i think that like kurt had measured it like the quickest it happened after the cold open was like four or five minutes and then like the longest would be like nine, but it's still like about on average, it'd be about seven to eight minutes into the cold open. All of a sudden, the theme song would pop up and then it would move on to the, the next act. Yeah, and it's it's just like, oh, yeah, they haven't done the theme. And one, it's very because Power Rangers, uh, 
I think I'm trying to remember if they did do cold opens. I think if they did, they weren't that long. And most shows, when they do cold opens, they're not that long. They're normally like three minutes. Yeah, I think I want to say Ninja Steel did cold opens, but they weren't real. Again, they weren't super long. It usually it's just like a setup and then like mm-hmm. the theme song and then we get into the actual episode. Yeah, it, it's that's normally how cold openings work is they set up the episode. Yeah, the cold opens and Beast Morphers are just basically the first act. Yeah. So you just get thrown off Power Rangers like, "Oh, there's the theme." I joke that I am going to re-edit the season to where the theme song plays at the beginning. Yeah, and we also tossed around doing our cold open for this episode that way, but I was just like, that's not <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're going to be eight minutes just going to the episode and everything and then just cut to the theme song randomly. Yeah, it's just like, uh, I, yeah, I shot that one down, even though I didn't hate the idea. <laughs> I was on the fence on that idea, too. It's like, I don't know. I'll put it. It'd be funny, but let me put it by Ashley. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I got what you're going for. I was just like, uh, I don't know if I'm feeling it for a, like actual execution. <laughs> Watch us right now. Just cut to the uh, song again. Yeah, <laughs> but just for the. But, y- but yeah, that's how it would feel like you would just be in the middle of like the episode because these are only like twenty five minutes long or so because you have all those commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So it's like it really was just the first act and then theme song. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, it just kind of threw us off and like we couldn't figure out like why that was the choice. Like we were trying to figure out if like it was a Nickelodeon thing or like uh, a decision from Hasbro or. Um, you know, the actual, like, production team on Power Rangers. We couldn't, we we don't know. If you guys know, if you know an answer to this, please reach out to us, because we are genuinely curious about this particular creative decision. Yeah, it's like, was, were they, like you said, were they trying to fit in more commercials? Like, what? Yeah. What went on here? Um, and then this series was produced mostly by Chip Lynn. He was, he was mostly the head uh, story person. And uh, it really felt like he went, I heard you talking shit about all of his dad issue seasons. <laughs> yeah, because, like, there are some, like, dad and family issues in this season, but they actually kind of get resolved in a pretty good way. Yeah, and they're also, like, they're not, like, my dad's missing. Yeah, it's like, oh, where's my dad? He's on, on missing. Or, <laughs> like, I think it's like, yeah, no, um... Mayor Daniels is, like, there for the entirety of... I mean, obviously, he is possessed for, like, the first half of the second season. But, like, you know, he's there. He's a consistent presence. And, like, it... it what, how much was Chip involved in Time Force? Uh, he was... I think that was actually his first season he was, like, head writer of. Okay, so, like, I feel like he was going back more towards the, the actual dad issues of, like time force instead of like yeah. you know bringing back i could be wrong i need to go research that again but yeah, yeah so. instead of bringing back like the missing dad trope from like vr troopers VR Tro- or <laughs> dino, dino charge Char- and even ninja, <laughs> ninja steel. steel i love the missing dad and ninja steel because he shows up and then he's like oh did you just go missing again what happened and it's like no he was there the whole time it's like nobody talked about it it's like, I, I kind of, that's an interesting plot thread to go through, is him readjusting. No, uh, enough of that. But yeah, like, but he also, like, he had, like, just, and it also feel like, hey, we heard you talking shit about Rangers not having families. Yeah. Because <laughs> you actually had, like, family relationships with everybody. You had Devin and, uh, and, uh. Uh, Mayor Adam Daniels. You know, you had Mayor Daniels and their kind of whole, like, dynamic where, like, you know, 
mom's gone, single dad, raising a, you know, basically having to take reign of his son at a very vulnerable position of his life. You had, like, Ravi and Commander Shaw, where I'm like, I don't know what's going on with the dad situation there. It sounds like the dad's kind of out of the picture from, like, other things, too. Yeah. So it's like, you very much had this, like, race from the beginning. Um, You had... um Muriel and like what she did for her daughter. You also had Zoe's brother show up like a couple times and then fuck Nate's parents, but he still had parents. Yeah. No, okay. Something I forgot to mention with Muriel. I do love how they ultimately do the ranger reveal to her with Zoe. Oh, yeah. Like, because it's just like, oh my God, my, my kid Zoe, she's in laundry. She can't stay, you know. And like, you know, Shaw like has to view like, Kind basically gives Zoe the opportunity to reveal it. Yeah, like she doesn't like. I I was so worried that they were just gonna draw that out, but I do appreciate that Commander Shaw in that moment was kind of just gave her like the silent permission of like you can tell her. It's like you. It's like I don't think you understand. Zoe's a very valuable part of the team, and just nods to, you know, basically Zoe do the rest. Yeah, no, it was quite quite great. That that's uh the fact this season was basically like, you know, we're gonna actually like have the Rangers have lives and, and interfere or stuff like that. That was all great. Yeah. And them having families. Again, it's like we heard you guys talk shit constantly about Rangers not having families. Yeah. And I think it, it worked out pretty well this season. Like having like families be involved in their lives but not like overtaking it. Like they still are very much autonomous characters who that we see on a regular basis. Yeah. Um Keepers, we want to kind of touch back on Keeper's bad mouth and Papa John's bad wig. Yeah, like, oh god, the hairpiece that they gave Austin St. John was uh, certainly something. Yeah, uh, they, they, it, it is not Power Rangers without a shitty hairpiece. Yeah, and then like, Keeper's mouth, they made it more CG this season, and it's just like, I don't know how I feel about that. That just, that's too weird. That's- <laughs> Too awful. You, you made it worse with the blinking. Now it's just like the mouth. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I will say um, though, I think they improved Yoshi's wig for Coda this season. All the money went into improving that wig. Yeah, pretty much. Not into Papa John's wig. <laughs> Liar fraud Papa John, you only showed up once. Yoshi's showing up a couple of times, so. Yeah, plus that last season wig looked like ass. <laughs> yeah. All the budget went, all the $17 (laughs) went into Yossi Shadarso's wig as Coda. Well, well, we're going to touch more on that next month about Power Rangers budgets, we promise. But yeah, it's just like, (laughs) that's where the money went for season two. But yeah, there was, let's talk about the weird Carlos in charge type episode. Okay. Because we love these episodes. So yeah, so there's this episode and I think it's, was it season two? I think it was, yeah, it was season two, because, like, you had, like, Mayor Daniels duck out because he was, like, evoxing. Yeah, so, so season two, there's an episode of where Devin is in a esports tournament um, for back, uh, was it Backstreet Brawlers 3? Yeah. So he's in this esports tournament, which, which the way they do it in Power Rangers is so funny, because apparently, like, they have hard light, like, holograms that you can, like, play out, like, these characters in, like, uh, player-versus-player situations. Which I'm just like, oh, God, imagine Eva with that. (laughs) So, yeah, so in this episode, like, Devin is in the finals with this one girl, I can't remember her name, but they're basically 
playing. So they're playing for like about what is it like five thousand dollars in a trophy? Yeah, it's, it's a, pretty. It's much. a decent chunk of money, and so they're playing and. They're like they're, like she's about to win because something happens where Devin like Devin Sensei Bones Avatar freezes up. Yeah. Oh, first of all, I can't remember the name of that particular character she's playing, but one it's like you you we were just immediately like, oh yeah, she cosplays this character. She one hundred percent cosplays this character all the time. Yeah, because she's kind of like a punk like like femme punk like with size ninja. ninja with size like yeah. And then you find out, like, part of the way through the episode is that this is, like, a um, a bug that hasn't been reported in the game. Because basically it was, like, it was, like, tapping the shoulder and slashing across, like, caused, like, the character to freeze up. And basically can yeah. allow you to make a final attack and win the game. The character, like, Devin kind of calls her on it, like, as the Red Ranger of, like, that's cheating. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Because basically, like, I think one of the Evox Evox's monsters like absorbs the um absorbs, absorbs the video game. game, so that includes yeah, her- the bug that's in the system. So that way, like, the way you can defeat this monster is by exploiting that bug. Yeah. And so she tells them this, and like, she's just like, "But you don't understand." And like, she goes into this tragic backstory of her brother getting into an accident. Because, but he was a really good soccer player, but he got in this accident. He hasn't been able to play, and they need the money to pay for his surgery so he can like live a normal life. One, I'm very happy that her brother's not dead, like in the Carlos in Charge episode. Oh God, yeah, Carlos in Charge will just like forever be number one in terms of just tonal whiplash in Power Rangers. Yeah. So, basically, yeah. So what happened was like. You know, like you mentioned, like, it absorbed her controller. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it had the bug, but also they were about to disqualify her because she couldn't have a controller. And Devin was nice. It was like, hey, you can have mine and we'll rematch, you yeah. know? He's like, I and have another. So, You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. So, yeah, it, it ends, by the way, with her losing because she doesn't cheat anymore. And like, oh, well, you know, we'll find another way. Like, you know, we'll start a GoFundMe or something. Because I guess Power Rangers is like, for once, we are not going to have our universal health care. Right. And, <laughs> and so Devin ends up giving the money to them. Yeah, because like, he's like, all I really wanted was the trophy anyway, is what, what he said. And he, and he was like, hey, someone told me, like, you probably might need this money more than me. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. So, but yeah, it was just this weird... Carlos in charge, like, swerve of, you don't understand, my brother needs surgery. He's like, he's very sick, he needs surgery. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just love the random swerves sometimes Power Rangers takes like that. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Morphax uh, bike episode, because it's like, one, I am for public transportation, but two, it's like, trains. Yeah. It's just... I get the bicycle thing. You want to get kids active, but like Zoe, you should be like, why don't you do a train system with Morphex? Yeah, I feel like that would be like a better use of Morphex. And also get get kids indoctrinated in trains earlier. Like, yes, we need public transportation. But I'm glad that Zoe thought of public transportation. You know, she is like 18. So I'm not expecting her to basically be like, I want this full plan of like public transportation with trains and Morphex buses. Yeah. So, but yes, we should we should implement that because that actually would help with pollution and a lot of shit to just do high power trains. Right. We have the technology 
A lot of places use it. We don't because Henry Ford. Uh, Fuck him. Henry Ford. But, like, I'm just thinking about how funny it would be if, like, yeah, it was, like, a fucking, um, <laughs> if they did do a trains and, like, the next season was just a QGER based off of the trains. <laughs> Here are the Morphex trains. Uh, it probably wouldn't happen, but I'm just, I, it, that, that idea is just very funny to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, just quick tangent on that. You can read up more about trains. Just, just ask a weird leftist about public transportation. You will just hear about trains. <laughs> I have been train pilled, as the kids would say. <laughs> uh, but we, I guess, do we want to touch back on that musical number because we really loved it? Yeah. So as we found out, like Olivia Tennant actually like wrote the wrote the song and like choreographed the musical number. I was just saying, it's like, it, it's like a legitimate music number. They just break out in the song. And like, it's like, okay, so this is clearly just happening in Nate's head. And like, oh no, they actually broke out into song. And they're just like, singing along. Like, like Devin sings like a bar of it. Like after the song, like the song number's over. It's like, but that actually happened? Yeah. It was kind of, you know... You wouldn't amazing. You wouldn't have figured out that everyone in this school was a professional dancer, <laughs> pretty much. And like, I don't know. It's just like such a pleasant, like, weird turn for Power Rangers because you're so used to like. I mean, obviously, like we had that. Like, um, Kurt brought this up when we were writing the episode about how like there was like the episode from like I think it was Zio where like yeah it was Tanya yeah and Tommy got hit. With a monster beam or something that made them sing everything. Yeah, but that's not not the same as having a full-blown musical number in the middle of the juice bar slash gym. (laughs) Just four. Yeah, and it's just... Like, no monsters influencing it. Because Buffy, again with Buffy, a monster influenced the musical number with with Buffy. Right. Or Demon or something. But yeah, no, nothing. It's just, they just broke out in the song and dance. And everyone's like, yeah, we're gonna break out in the song and dance too. Nothing got to it. Yeah, it was just, it was so weird. But it was like that lovely kind of Power Rangers weird that I, like, have come to enjoy. More musical numbers in both professional wrestling and Power Rangers. Please, yes, we need more of those. Uh, So yeah, we kind of touched about this this season. Had like, not one, but two... Maybe three gay metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, yeah, the painting thing is a very clear, like, definitely just everything about that. Like, the way they set it up, it just, it's such a coming out metaphor. Yeah, like, people people have noted that. It's like, this is a coming out, like, arc. Except you didn't make it a coming out. Like, it's like, it's about painting instead of being gay. And then, like, when we were writing the episode and talking about Devin's relationship with his dad, it's like, yeah, Devin's hiding this part from his dad. And it's like, if only my dad could see me for who I really am. Yeah, which is not this. That is not always necessarily a, you know, a gay, like, gay coming out arc. But it does definitely resonate with queer people whenever a character goes through something like that, you know? It's definitely the honorable mention version. And then, you know, like I mentioned with, like, the whole body swap episode is Nate goes through essentially den- gender dysphoria, but like, oh man, I'm definitely not a robot. Yeah, it's like, hey, I don't think being a robot is very much for me. You know, you just, it's just like, you know, like for me, being a girl was very much not me. Yeah. Yeah, it was just definitely like full of like, even like small honorable mention ones was definitely full of those kind of metaphors. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, the morphing grid, it works in mysterious ways. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, because it's just like, so, because it's like, how did you, how could you turn a fucking robot into a human for a second time? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like, I, I said this to George. George said to sit tight and watch, so that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I noticed that when, ra- like, rangers that do die in the line of duty, they do have a chance of coming back if they're morphed. Right. Because that happened with Kendricks, that happened with Mac, that happened with Steel. Yeah, it's Steel. And that happened with Jim and Gemma. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, it's like something happens to where the morphing grid can bring you back. I don't know necessarily all that's going on here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on there. Yeah. But, you know, the morphing grid very much as the wizard did it. Yeah, like, and I know with Mac, there was the crew in Aurora, but, you know, morphing grid, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, Morphin Grid probably powered that too. Let's be real. Yeah, so basic. Yeah, basically, the Power Rangers' excuse of a wizard did it is the Morphin Grid did it. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was, and now we have like more about the Morphin Grid. Like it was a use of energy, um, you know, in this world. Uh, you know, you can connect and talk to other people within the Morphin Grid. That's how you know Devin was able to reach out to Doctor K, uh, also to. Jason, who we call Wire Fraud Papa John, you know, they were they were able to kind of really go into this is a thing of immense energy. It's kind of magical, but there's also some science behind it. It was very funny. We were writing this episode in the middle of like Kurt replaying the remake of Final Fantasy Seven, <laughs> and they're going through the whole thing of what makes Ma- uh Mako Mako. Right. Or Mako Mako. So it's just kind of like, oh yes, the life force of the planet, the morphing grid. Yeah, and then like interestingly um i i like the fact that like touching back on this now that he can can connect to people in other dimensions they keep bringing up ranger history as in this is something that the power rangers had to study which that comes up in in hyperforce yeah it's like uh and you know grid battle force they had to study ranger history and they would quote it sometimes like oh yeah i remember this in ranger history you know yeah and then when like um nate meets dr k and she's like oh yeah ranger history and she cites the page the volume of the page and she's like i don't like the picture they used of me <laughs> yeah dr k would be like that yeah uh, uh but yeah it's just um i really again i love the multiverse is finally here I, it's something I've been wanting since forever, since rewatching this show. Yeah. And I'm like, why does everyone? And now that's here, everyone's like, I don't want it anymore. I'm like, shut up. You're the people who are like constantly like, why doesn't this fit canon? Why doesn't this fit continuity? And it's like, okay, one, the show's old as shit. Okay. Yeah, like, like you, you're going to deal with random holes in continuity when a show's old as shit. Yeah. But number two, it's like a lot of this can be explained away with a multiverse. And yet you guys don't want that. I don't think Power Rangers what, fans what? know what they want most of the time. Yeah. Sorry we're complaining about Power Rangers fans. <laughs> uh, no, we're not. Uh, but speaking of stuff, uh, this is kind of our last odds and ends, but we do have to touch up like Foster's internet meltdown. Oh, God. Yeah, I had totally like spaced out. I had memory hold that until you brought it up while we were watching. Uh, and it's so funny because I had memory hold it too a little bit. And then like I see Nate and I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> Yeah, which is such a weird fucking thing for like Blake Foster to like Blake Foster of all people to have like a little internet meltdown over like Abraham, like Nate's actor, being a Power Ranger because he looks too nerdy. It's like you were Justin. You, you were, ju- were Justin. <laughs> you were Justin. And even a minute that's like, yeah, J- Justin was all like an awful scrotty kid. And I'm like, dude. 
Justin was in the hands of bad writers, who, as a character, got better in the second half of Turbo, and they're like, well, let's just stop having Justin try to be a middle, like, trying to, like, be perfect kid, and like, no, he's just out of place, and as a kid, and his ranger pals are more like his siblings, more than his parents. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just like, yeah, you were, you were the golden child, and you're, like, complaining about someone looking like that and i'm also like dude power rangers have been super nerdy before what the fuck yeah so i don't i I don't know what was up his ass that day but i know they 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 did not do a very good job of hiding how jack david was but billy was like the the beginning of we have a very nerdy fucking character as power rangers pretty much yeah like that, yeah. so it just feels weird to complain about a nerd being a Power Ranger when, like, yeah, that's been a thing throughout the entirety of Power Rangers. Like the whole thing is that anybody can be a ranger. Yeah, like that's as long as you, you know, you possess the abilities that your mentor wants or the Morphing Girl wants, you can be a fucking Power Ranger. Yeah, like that's but, yeah. that's emphasized really hard in this season because most of the people who were Power Rangers this season didn't train to be Power Rangers. Yeah, only Ravi got the trading, so you're you had Laundry Girl, Gamer Boy, uh, you know, the lab shut in and his robot friend he created. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, whatever. Like Blake Foster is a dumbass. And that was also the year we saw him at like the Ranger Stop, and we just kinda like awkwardly look at his table every now and then. Yeah. It was like, oh man, he's kind of weird. He looks weirder in person. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got bro energy. He's got that douche bro energy. Did not have the energy of Walter Jones. Had. Yeah, no, Walter Jones is a fucking party. <laughs> so yeah, that concludes our episode. I guess us talking. So, what is our verdict of the season? Uh, finally, some good fucking food, as you put yeah, it. Finally, some good fucking food. Um. Uh, you know, after we push through the Neo Saban era, as you can tell by us ranting about Ninja Steel every now and then, uh, this was definitely a breath of fresh air. I feel like this has a lot of common with like Lightspeed Rescue, where you just have a solid ensemble telling the story um, and like having kind of myth arcs to go along with it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Also tied in and further canonized the multiverse, uh, something Power Rangers desperately needed since Lightspeed Rescue. Uh, while the Neo Saban era regressed the show back in 1993, Beast Morphers firmly, firmly put it back on track to 2019 in terms of, like, storytelling for kids, everything. Uh, it's got engaging, an engaging story with decent, with decent acting and good action and good fun. And while the story, I feel, could have been tighter, uh, this is a really solid season. Yeah, after the struggle of the Neo Saban era, it's really nice to have a series where it seems like they actually care about creating a story along with the usual Ranger shenanigans. While I won't say it's the best season ever, it's still pretty good and definitely pushed the multiversal aspects that were introduced in previous seasons where it really needed to go. If this is where the franchise was in 2019 after some struggle for the past decade, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here. All right. Once again, we want to thank Kate Nix for creating our banging theme song. You can find her on her site, katenix.com. Well, that one's under construction. However, her link tree under I am Kate Nix links you to her band camp and her streaming site, katenix.tv. 
She usually does a bi-monthly show called The Lounge, Tuesdays at 7 p.m., though she is currently on hiatus while she is recovering from illness and also is about to do some tour dates. But if you're wondering, it's an on month. You can check out her show's Instagram. It's The Lounge. You can also watch older episodes on her YouTube channel, which is Kate Nix. You can also get updates on her personal accounts using Zenatac, which is her name backwards, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you want just a little bit of flair in your life and Winslow the Piano Playing Cat. All right, and then Joe Hunter for our amazing art that you see every time you download our podcast or stream it, wherever you are. He's a comic book artist who has done backups for Radiant Black, along with a story in Headlock Comics, Tales from the Road. And he's also working on Beast Heart Strikers, along with co-creator and writer Land Pitts, and also has a story featured in Tales from the Pandemic. You can support him on Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter, and on Threadless at JoeHunter.Threadless.com. You can find him on Twitter as Joe underscore Hunter, and on Instagram as Joe Bloody Hunter. Kurt Yoder, again, we want to thank him for always editing the podcast and putting up with us on a near-daily basis. You can find him on Twitter at the Great SG or uh, Great SG Pixels for his perler art, and he's also on Etsy as Great SG Creations. Uh, thank you to our five dollar patron Griffman. We always want to thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, it is Patreon.com/slash Rangersplain. We are currently having a monthly Q and A streaming for five dollar patrons and above, and early release episodes for all tiers, which are you know great motivation to sign up. We also have our sticker of the month club, which nobody has signed up for yet. But if you do, there are stickers involved. We have some ideas, including Here Lies Merrick. He never scores. Yes, I want to make that sticker a reality. Please. <laughs> and our wrestler of the podcast is Razorwing, the indestructible Lucha Wonderbird, as he describes himself. He is very much like Steel. I think maybe a little bit smarter, though. Um, so you can find him on Twitter at uh, at Razorwing, and that's Razor with an E and Wing with a Y. <laughs> and as for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at MissKittyF. That's also my TikTok, which I'm using a skosh more, but not a whole ton. And then on all of these sites, you can find my Linktree account, which takes you to all the places you can find me on the internet and buy stuff for me, including my Itch.io account. And my store, which you can find at ashley-leckwell.square.site, where you can purchase beanies zines comics cloth masks please buy the mask i am trying to get rid of these things <laughs> and you can find me on twitter and instagram at Vlas Riker. just to know Vlas Riker is a private instagram so you will have to put in a request you can also find my link tree on twitter which gives you to everywhere else i'm at but including my other like link tree bio link to my store, Coda's Magical Crafts, which has candles, uh, soaps. I'm going to try to be doing zines and bath bombs this year. And uh, you can find me a little bit on TikTok at Coda's Magical Crafts as well. I should probably actually do a personal TikTok eventually. All right. And then for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Rangersplain. I've been using the Twitter a whole lot. And Sid has actually been taking over the Instagram account with some hilarious posts during our watch nights. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you like dad humor, follow us on Instagram. Yes, and then uh, you can find us as well on Patreon, as I previously mentioned, which is Rangersplain on Patreon. And for uh, our show notes and just 
general things, you can go to uh, rangersplaying.wordpress.com. That has all the links that you can go and find us online as well. If you are on a platform listening to us that allows you to rate and review the podcast, please do. Like, if you're not able to financially support us on Patreon, this is a big way for our podcast to get out to more people who might want to actually hear our podcast. All right, next month we're going to be timely and relevant for once. That's right, we're covering the 30th anniversary special once and always. Until then, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. Go. Go.